This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome. This is the Sky Blues Extra podcast, proudly sponsored by Dylan's Brewery and the Sky Blue Tavern. The 2022-2023 Championship Season Review podcast is here, where we will look at, analyze, debate, and dissect the Sky Blues roller coaster journey from uncertain, turbulent beginnings to Wembley heartbreak as well as all the keys, ups and downs, twists and turns in between. I'm Ross Cooper, and I'm delighted to be able to steer us through said journey in the company of the one and only David Moore and Super Matt Trutwin. Chaps, how are we doing, Dave? Well, I'm not, you know, not really over the whole uh, Saturday, but, um, you know, they do say time's a healer, and uh, I'm certainly going to need a bit of time, I think. And and Matt, how How's time healing you? How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping today will be cathartic, if I'm honest with you. It's uh, it, it kind of felt like it's got worse, if anything, from Saturday. But, you know, look, we're, we're obviously going through the season and it's going to be good to talk about how many good times we, we obviously enjoyed throughout the year and, um, and obviously start to have a little nod towards what hopefully will be uh, a promising season next season as well for us. So, so yeah, we're, we're staying positive. Exactly, exactly. So I want us, and it feels like, I don't know if it does to you, but it feels like an absolute lifetime ago. I want you, Dave, to transport your mind back to late July 2022, which remarkably is only like, is 10 months away. You know, we're almost, we're in June now. I want you to trans- transfer your mind back there and think to how you felt when we were leading up, the fixtures were out. We'd had a very good preseason, you know, results-wise on the pitch. We... We hadn't lost. We'd beaten some decent sides like Forest on the way. 
I want you to think about the players that we brought in, Casey Palmer on a permanent, Jonathan Panzo, Callum Doyle and Tayo Adaramola on loan. Out were just the loan players we'd had from the previous season, Clark Salter and Matson, and the big three, as we, we like to speak to them, spoke about them at the time. No one had gone at that point. We had Sunderland coming up. How did you feel about the squad and the business that we had done leading up to the first game of the season? Yeah, I think like every sort of Coventry support, I think at that time we felt really optimistic. We know that Mark Robbins is has bettered his position, um, you know, season on season, um, be it from League Two, League One. And I think every, yeah, the signings that came in, I think Casey Palmer was an exciting one for a lot of people. It felt that we sort of needed that um, depth in that, that 10 role. Um, so definitely um, keeping hold of, key players was a was a massive one that felt like transfers on their own and I think very optimistic I think you know was certainly not looking at maybe the top six and I know a lot of you you lads on the on the pod um when you did it at the tavern were I, I wasn't really in that camp but I was sort of around the sort of eighth eighth sort of tenth uh sort of bracket I thought that would be a good season I thought that would be um, and I felt that we could could get that, yeah, on, yeah. on what we'd done in the market and uh, how things were shaping up and just everything seemed very positive. And then pre-season, we usually have an absolute shocker pre-season. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a, actually one of the one of the better ones. Yeah, and I agree. I think when we did that preview part, I, I know Dino and Matt, I'm not sure what, what you said. I, I, th- I had us at ninth as well. I thought it'd be another season of improvement. I can't remember what you, you said, Matt, as your pre-season I, I prediction. Ten. Tenth, yes, yeah. so so I think we were in the same bracket when we have improvement again. Improvement, yeah. You know, because the word that Robbins would always use was incremental uh, improvement year on year. Now, obviously, as is the case with you know most football clubs, but in particular Coventry, there's always like two camps. And so, obviously, Dave, you were sort of talking there. You were firmly sort of in the positive camp in terms of the business that we had done. But there was the the flip side where you'd see a lot of fans on Twitter, you know, not happy that we'd only brought in one permanent signing. You know, and a couple of loans who some people, again, quick to jump on and go, well, well, we didn't bring back Clark Salter. Are these going to be as good? Are these just, are they a bit young? I mean, Matt, what camp were you in? Were you in the optimistic camp based on the business we had done? Or were you feeling a little bit more cautious? Yeah, I would say realistically uh, optimistic. For, for me, moving from, as I say, predicted 10th. So moving from 12th to 10th would have been in itself, again, a, an amazing season. You look at where our wage budget still stands as a as a club in context with the rest of the division so for us to be predicting you know top half finish and, and potentially increasing as you say robbins with his incremental gains you know that would have been a, a really solid performance for us but despite again as you say you can uh, i guess i don't want to jump on too much people who maybe were not not so much negative you know they, they there was no reason for us to be massively negative at that point. There maybe were a few uh, in the weeks after, but at that point, there weren't any major reasons for us to be massively negative. But you can understand why people may still have that, you know, cautious concern about the fact that our, our wage budget is quite low. We hadn't signed, you know, many players or any players really for for a transfer fee. And you could say, well, we've performed so ahead of our station that, you know, it, it isn't completely unrealistic or or silly to say, maybe there would be a slight drop off i guess um but I, I think those of those of us who can maybe stay a bit more realistic and and kind of see the work that the football club does you know we always 
consistently since Robinson's come back to the club, not just since we've been to the championship, we've batted above our station. And at a certain point, you have to have confidence and faith in the, the process and, and their ability to, to do that. And as you say, as securing the, the players that had been important to us, like Jokerez and Hamer and O'Hare and everything else, plus those smart additions that we'd made. Um, yeah, I think there was reason for us to be cautiously optimistic of, a, of another top half finish. Yeah, because there was certainly, I, I felt, you know, on the, the forums, on social media, that there was an acceptance that one at least was going was gonna to be sold, you know, if not two. And yeah. obviously there was heavy speculation around Calamo O'Hare and, and, and Burnley. And as we look to the first game of the season, uh, Sunderland away, you know, a big game. They recently just got, you know, promoted up from League One, winning the playoffs. You know, the rooms around Callum O'Hare were just heating up. He then obviously got injured in the lead up to this game, you know, and it, you know, the game came on Sky, one all draw, Victor Jokerez getting a, a great equaliser. Dave, when you look back at that game, what's your sort of memories of that game? And, you know, how did you feel, you know, with the share of the spoils? Yeah, once I'd finally made it up the stairs to the away end, uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a trek. But no, I, I, I actually felt like we played we weren't at our best and I still think that we should have won that game. So at that point I was very, very happy um, with the performance. I I didn't think, I thought a lot of the game passed both teams by, but actually felt that we looked the most dangerous in, in that game. And I I thought we, we created some chances. Obviously the O'Hare, like you say, was a massive blow um, and people were a little bit deflated, you know, around that but I thought we I thought we played well and it was great to see you know Jokeres open up his account yeah. you know we gift, we gifted them a goal didn't we as well yeah, yeah exactly. goal was exactly. you know it was a mistake by Moore yeah and we'll, we'll get on to that in the, the first of a, a few but it that you know it felt like a, a point gain didn't it really you know Matt I mean going to a side who it was a party atmosphere they'd finally returned from the depths of League One and to go to a you know a big crowd like that and get a point felt like actually it could sort of carry on that sort of cautious optimism that, that we had going into the game. Absolutely. Sunderland, and obviously there's a lot between Coventry and, and Sunderland, Sunderland historically. Um, but as you say, quite rightly, coming back up from League One, which had spent a you know, good number of years down at that level, a, a ground you know is going to be absolutely packed out, a big attendance, a lot of excitement there. It's a really, I thought it was a really difficult start for us to get. You know, it was something that, probably say let them settle into the season and maybe struggle a little bit and, and then we could take advantage but first game they're going to be up for it their fans are going to be up for it for its Coventry uh, as well as the fact of obviously being back in uh, the second tier so I thought it was a difficult game for us yeah we didn't start the best they we did give them that goal um, but as you say I, I agree I, I was happy with the point um, in the context of the game I think it was solid for us to not to go there and yeah. not lose and, and take something away from it. Yeah, you know, especially because, you know, Dean Atkinson, I quote him, he, he said at the time it was the worst possible opening day fixture we could have got. So a draw probably wasn't a, uh, you know, a, a bad result. But then we, you know, we, 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 we come away with a point and we think we've got Rotherham at home and we're thinking an opportunity to get a win, four points from two games, and we'd be well on our way. But we do have to talk about the, the crushing news that we got shortly before the game the Commonwealth Games, Rugby Sixes played on the pitch. Um, our pitch hadn't been you know, replaced as had been promised by Wasps at that point. 
We've all seen the pictures at the time. It was deemed unsafe, unplayable after a pitch inspection. And Matt, this was, well, gutting and sort of deflating news. You know, all that sort of optimism, it felt to me at least, that we'd be built up in ourselves had just literally been popped like a like a lead balloon. Uh, how did it feel for you thinking back to that time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it's the same. It, it just felt like it was going to be so difficult for us to get any real momentum at the start of the season without, obviously, a period of, of home games. We're going to have to play away. We're going to, it's so important at the start of the season as well. You get those games under your belt and you get that kind of match fitness in, in, into your legs as well. You can play preseason games and that's great, but it's not the same thing by any stretch of the imagination. So that was a big thing for me. I just thought we were going to be at such a disadvantage coming into these games with, you know, the other side actually getting up to speed. They have not gone through a long season at that point. They should be fit and raring to go. So it's not like we're going to get advantages because of the fact they've played more games than us. It was completely the other way. We're going to have to go in there and, and they're kind of more up to speed than we were going to be able to, to, to get ourselves to do. And especially with the fact we're going to have to go away. And, and obviously, you know, that can be tricky and, and pick up points and keep ourselves somewhere in the mix. So it completely deflating um just not what you need at the start of the just season. felt a bit right. embarrassing right as well it wasn't our fault but it felt yeah. you know we got the brunt didn't we you know as as, as a yeah. club you know from it just felt like we had to pick up the pieces from other people's mistakes i mean dave what you know when you look at those pictures and when we saw them all and we we put them all on on the podcast page i mean you couldn't help but just feel embarrassed by the whole sort of situation really yeah and it just felt like another one of why you you know you almost expected someone to lift up their shirt and there'd be a t-shirt saying why it was me it felt like <laughs> a Balotelli moment you know it it because it just does always feel like it's us and I'm sure other teams do feel the same but it just you know through everything that we've gone through and everything that we've had to deal with and you know even the first season back in the championship you know was all of the COVID okay it was outside of our hands but We've had a lot, you know, the curtail of the season, all of that, that it just never sort of runs smoothly. And then the first season that you actually felt like we had some some sort of stability, I think, for for, for what was a long time, turned out so that we didn't have any stability. And we, we all know that, you know, the rockiness didn't just end at the pitch. It was it was um, externally, you know, away from the training ground and and, and the pitch. It was chaos. Yeah. And as fans, we just feel helpless, isn't it, really? Because because it is just beyond our control. We then obviously had yet another ground share in the in the League Cup going to Burton Albion and, and suffering a, a pretty comprehensive 4-1 defeat to Bristol City in the League Cup. When we finally got to return to league action, we went away to Millwall, 2-0 up. And uh, I mean, before we get to the game, actually, we because the game itself was remarkable. But in the morning of that game, Matt, the uh, club put out the press release confirming that our Wigan game, which was going to take place on the the Tuesday, the midweek, that that had been postponed as well. So before we'd even got started, we knew that again, another game's postponement. It was just another kick in the teeth. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess from the perspective of the club, they have to, you know, give as much time and notice as possible to allow for you know, people to to make arrangements and you've got away fans and all that kind of stuff. But it, it did feel like terrible timing um, to go into a game where, you know, again, you, you kind of, you're already behind the curve, right? Everybody else has played more games than us. And if we were to lose this one, we're, we're going to be rooted to the bottom of the table. And you kind of think you really don't 
you really need not to to have that happen because it could be a long way back. Who knows when we're going to be able to play at our home stadium? So it was it was a kick in the in the teeth for sure. But going into the game, as you say, we we obviously started brilliant and yeah. kind of started to allow yourself to think, well, this is going to be another situation that we come through and and you know against all odds we we're able to kind of you know put this behind us and 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 build that momentum again and and obviously ultimately we we've been able to do that but the with the manner of that loss more than anything else as well it kind of just you know yeah. if we were if we were if we were struggling before that game it, it kind of just took us down to a it, into another level it, it did two nil up you know cruising um and then it all seemed to hinge dave you know a a, a second mistake by Simon Moore gifting them, and I still, I still think back if it were like to, to the podcast we did, and he just why he was like running out that far. Another mistake by him, which then you could just feel the inevitable script was written, and and alas, we we, we fell to a defeat. Hamer seeing red as well. I mean, it was um, yeah, bitterly a, a bitterly disappointing defeat, wasn't it? You know, especially yeah, the fact that we hadn't been was. able to play the previous week. It was, but but at the time, I remember feeling that actually I hadn't seen us play badly, and that sounds really silly to say. Yes, we chucked things away, but we'd still shown signs. It wasn't like the previous seasons where sometimes we'd struggle to actually convert at all or create chances. Again, we were on the front foot. We were making things happen. Um, absolutely pathetic by Gus. Like That was a really, you know, and and that was the sort of thing that we worried about from him you know from from previous seasons gone we worried that he would carry that into his game and he and he did really poor like um you know disciplinary from himself and yeah you know more Simon has made some some horrendous uh decisions at the start you know and, and that's it's put us against it I still think we probably should have eked out a draw that that day um but like you say when the floor's caving in it it does it does get larger and just swallows you up and you didn't get much better after that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it didn't at all. And, you know, it was confirmed that the following Saturday home game against Huddersfield, that was postponed as well. Meaning we then had a gameless weekend and it, I don't know about you two, but it, I, I, I struggled to have any interest in, in what was going on when we, we just weren't playing, you know, with everything going on. I, and actually probably for the first, you know, huge, 10 games of the season. I bet I barely checked other teams results at times because, you know, we had lost. I, I didn't even, I didn't know the shape of the table or, or anything, Matt. I mean, it was just, yeah. I mean, that Huddersfield game was postponed. You're thinking we are with three games already, you know, behind in an already condensed season. And it was just a bit like this, how the pod's gone. It was just so stagnated. You couldn't get going because it was just another postponement and another setback. Yeah, it was, you know, looking at the table, there was just no point because realistically, you know, we we know we're bottom and all we're going to see is other teams pulling away from us. You know, we know that's the case. So looking at the table, all you're going to be seeing is, all right, what's the gap to, you know, second from bottom or, what, or what's the gap going to be to relegation or getting out of the relegation places? There's just no point in doing it. I was exactly the same, you know, usually keep a keen eye on it uh, quite regularly, but absolutely didn't want any part of it during that period. It just... To say come out of that Millwall game and, and feel like maybe we could turn this around and then the, the manner of the defeat and then obviously the, the news again it just was snowballing at that stage everything felt like bad news and you just kind of as much as we're all massive commentary fans at that point you just yeah we, we're obviously all gonna 
take uh, an interest in the games when they're happening. We're yeah. going to still go to the games to support the club. But outside of that, you just the kind of the interest in the league and everything else just wasn't really there because it was always just going to be yeah. bad news. Yeah, it took me back to sort of the COVID season a bit. You know, when we just when you couldn't play, you know, and it felt like I can't support my team and. Yeah, it was bad. And then the following week, eventually we were back uh, to, to, to league action, another way game, but another 3-2 defeat against Hull City, a third consecutive mistake by Simon Moore. And it felt like, Dave, obviously as fans, our patience was sort of pretty thin. We were very frustrated with everything that was going on off the field. But then with mistakes and that happening on the field, it felt like that was the moment where, you know, Simon Moore lost a lot of the support from the Sky Blue Army and, and, we felt it was time for a change in between the sticks. Yeah, I think, you know, when when this is happening, it's a, a lot of, lots of factors going on, if that makes sense. And I think people are looking at any way, I guess, to get a bit of a boost or a bit of a spark, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, just a just a spark, I suppose, to get the season going, and 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 I think at, at Hull that was that was it. I mean, that was that was another, you know, really tough game because, to be honest, they didn't have to do much to to win three three two. You know, we'd actually we actually worked hard for our two goals, and they didn't have to do anything for their three. And it kind of felt like that against Millwall, obviously. Then the Bristol City result has also compounded because I don't think people were that bothered. They knew we put out a, a sort of reduced side, but then those results just start to compound and people start to get frustrated. And and the reality of it is, I think at whole is that wait a minute, you know this this season we were looking at possible playoffs, but most people were talking around an eighth or seventh and possible sneak into the playoffs, and here we are we're going to be in a relegation battle. This is going to be no fun, you know, absolutely zero fun. And I think that's what people were sort of preparing themselves for at that time. Yeah, it, it is certainly. And, and I think to compound that, we then, you know, well, we obviously saw at the start of the game that Dominic Hyam wasn't in the squad for that game and was, uh, well, Mark Robbins after the game. I've done think I've ever seen him so down in the dumps as he did in that BBC CWR at that time. He confirmed that, you know, Hyam was on his way to Blackburn Rovers, and that was duly confirmed the following in the following twenty four hours after this game. It was difficult at that listening to Robbins, who whose motto seems to have been the last couple of years: "We just got to get on with it. We just got to get on with it. Take take what rubbish hand I get, and we just get on with it." But it felt like I don't know. I I remember seeing that. I felt like if he had left. If he'd gone, you know what, this is the straw that's broke the camel back and he left, no one would have blamed him. It was hard to see any light at the end of the tunnel, you know, with our best defender, in my opinion, you know, being, you know, being sold to a to a championship rival. Yeah, it's quite funny. You think about how at this stage you've got one point, we're massively behind everybody else in the league. You think 90% of fan bases will be kind of calling for the manager's head. And actually, we're the complete opposite. Mm. Opposite. We're worried that he's going to leave us, yeah. um, which just shows what he's done for this football club and what he means to this football club. You might have had, you know, the occasional and let's say idiot on on social media saying we need to think about moving on from Robbins, but we all, you know, the the very vast majority of Coventry fans were actually more concerned that he would leave us, despite the fact that we'd had such a terrible start. And I think you are right. You could see in interviews 
at that time for the first point you know uh, Robin's never he has that kind of adage in my mind he'll never if it's if it's going really well he'll never let it get too high he'll, he'll ground it a little bit but the same when it's going the other way if it's if it's getting if it's getting really bad he'll bring it back up but this was a period of time and and with the the home news in particular as well around that time where you just thought he looks like he's ready just to call this a day here and yeah that that was a really frightening time considering the situation we we're in it was Dave Hyam, big big blow. Did you think you know at that point? Always rated him. Been one of my favourite yeah. uh, players, if I'm honest. I think he's very steady, um, very good um, player, and was gutted when he went. I think again, we talk about things that compound, and all of the results mixed in with all of the ground, mixed in with them people touting around that we'd only got like a million for him. And that was just like, it was, it really was. I think Salt people, in the wounds, wasn't it? It that? really was. People were at the end of their tethers with it, weren't they? Yeah, you know, they were. um, season tickets going up, going up in the air and all sorts. <laughs> but, you know, it that's, that's football and football fans are, are fickle yeah. and I'm absolutely no different. Um, you're really, really optimistic and looking forward to the season and within, you know, six seven games all evaporated doesn't it it felt like you're potentially looking like a relegation battle and and how are we going to get out of this and what just yeah did you think did you think the communication at that point in the season sort of reflecting now from body from the club you know they 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 said that the money from Hyam wasn't used for the, for the pitch repairs that we ended up having to pay for did you, did you feel like looking back that the we communicated as a club to us as the fans in probably the best way? I think um look, I can't I can't say what was going on at the club in the time. I have no ideas of the inner workings, but I think it felt like what was going on at the club at the time was what was going on on Twitter at the time. Almost <laughs> pandemonium, like people just you, you know, and and again unfortunately from an internal comms point of view they couldn't even they couldn't from a comms point of view sorry they couldn't even get that right you know they probably tried to do the best thing probably thought about it for a long time about how to approach it and they couldn't even get that right but I I think they could have said anything Ross at that time and it wouldn't have helped I don't think anything that they would have said could have eased you know the worries of 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 the the sky blue army yeah no no you're right you sort of Damned if you do, I guess. Damned if you don't. Um, but we finally got a uh, finally got a home game. At last, the pitch was deemed uh, playable after we'd paid for some like synthetic stitching to be put into the pitch at the CBS. Preston was the home game, but yet another defeat, a disappointing one uh, 0 defeat at home. And and Matt, it, it felt to me quite like a it was a bizarre atmosphere. You know, it wasn't that sort of electric atmosphere that we'd become to used to from the previous season. What was your sort of recollection of, of of that game? You know, finally having a home game, but it felt like sort of everyone was quite eerie. It was it was bizarre. Yeah, I think we'd all almost already sat into set into a kind of state of desperation because we were so far behind. You know, not only have we only got picked to one point in our games at this point, we are behind other teams in terms of the number of games that we've played. So, uh, you know, at this point, I think what was it, maybe six, seven, eight points already, where we're off even being out of the relegation zone. So it was almost a feeling of desperation. And, you know, we've, yes, we're finally back at home. So that was great. But 
you look at, I mean, the attendance was what, about 18, 19,000. So think about the opportunity. You think, I mean, it's not quite of those we're, we're back from Birmingham or Northampton or wherever type levels, but it felt like, okay, we've had this terrible situation. We finally get football back in um, our home city after the summer and, and obviously this elongated period as well. You'd think that would be quite a big attendance, but I think actually people were just so off by everything that happened at that point, both on and off of the, the field and and obviously things weren't going right um on the pitch for us as well it just it, it wasn't great right we're back at home here's this opportunity now we can kick on it's like we kind of need to or else we're going to really find ourselves in an even more desperate state and that probably well clearly clearly didn't help because it ended in defeat yeah and um the trans that was on uh transfer deadline day or the or the eve of it should i say Transfer deadline day came and went and no replacement for Hyam came in, which I think, I, I know I, I was very disappointed about. We then moved on to Norwich, got thumped 3-0 away, you know, and, you know, and there was all those rumours about Jokeres um, and Godden getting in a fight. And that's why Walker led the line and all this, you know, but it just all turns into hysteria, doesn't it? We then went to Luton on a mid- midweek game, missed a one-on-one in the first minute. And then they went at the other end and, and scored more pathetic defending. We did, though, salvage a 2-2 draw there. Still hadn't kept a clean sheet in the league. But then that came on the final game before the international break, away at Birmingham. Another Hamer red card. And yes, going into the international break, no wins from the opening seven games. Only three points on the board. You know, other teams having played three games more than us. Bottom of the table, obviously, a lot of negativity. But those back-to-back draws, Dave particularly I think Luton away and then getting finally getting a clean sheet against Birmingham, despite going down to 10 men, it felt like something for us to sort of build on going into the international break. Yeah. I remember at the time I'd, I'd have to listen back to the pods. I'd be really intrigued about how I actually sounded because reflecting <laughs> back on it at the time, I felt that we'd actually put in some good performances and that like we were going to turn a corner, um, talk about the Sunderlands. All right. Norwich was was dreadful um, but Preston to be honest I thought we bossed that game and actually we had majority of the possession I think it was like 56% on that game and and like you say Birmingham um, we we kept a clean sheet but we knocked on the door all game that day like we really did like we should have scored you know we had countless chances to to score in that game um, and we put the ball in the net a few times at Luton so I think, yeah, maybe forgetting, like thinking, well, okay, we're going, we've got a World Cup coming or or whatever, we've got a break. Probably wasn't thinking as much as about domestic football at the time as well, I guess. It probably mm. helped, but I don't know. I did think we'd turned in a few good performances and actually uh, it was just that we were a bit out, a bit luckless, I think, at the time. Did the defence not concern you though? Like, you know, the fact that we, we were shipping goals, you know, that was the area we thought we'd try to address from the previous season, which again, we were leaking goals. And again, we, we seemed incapable, you know, of, of being able to keep a clean sheet until that Birmingham game. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a feeling that we're going to have to score two or three to, to get three points, didn't it, at the time? And that's um, never a good situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, I think there was concerns. I'd love to go back and listen to, to, what what my general demeanor you can do that like after this part to go time. back and <laughs> because it would be really interesting because i i actually i'm i've i've always been fairly positive in that robbins will get us out of stuff but i remember thinking at the time that we definitely have put turned in some decent performances but we just a bit 
luckless because a lot of them are personal errors and mistakes that have caused us. So if we can cut them out, we can probably cut out and 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 get on. International break came. We obviously you know, worked on whatever we did during that break, and and Matt, we finally on our return got our first win of the season. Another clean sheet as well, beating Middlesbrough one 0 at home. Victor Jokeres with the goal against a fellow poor side at the time, Borough down there. This turned out to be Chris Wilder's last game before being, but before being sacked. But how did it? How did it feel? You know, to finally you know get that win, get that monkey off our backs, you know, and, and get those first three points. Yeah, I think it was just pure relief at that stage. You know, I agree with Dave. I think results didn't really match you know, some of the level of play that we'd we'd seen in the games. We had been better than maybe some of the results, but, you know, again, at a certain point, that only takes you so far as well. So I think this was very much a just at all costs win the game. If it can, if it's as ugly as, as, you know, it needs to be, then that's what it needs to be. So it was great to get a relatively early goal, I think, in the game as well, settle some of those nerves. First, I think, Saturday game at home. We'd obviously only played a couple at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think obviously it was a nervy period. We'd seen those, as we mentioned, those two draws, you know, it was a good result at Luton. Um, we had been the, comfortably the better team against Birmingham. So we had, we could see that form was coming, um, but still it was kind of a bit of desperation because we just needed to win that game. So getting the early goal was great. It actually settled in as a game, I think quite similar to what we saw to an extent of the players. You know, they had more of the possession, but we actually... I think look more threatening throughout the game as well. And that's something that, you know, kind of seemed to be a bit of a trend for, for both teams going forward. So I think that was kind of that cursor of us settling into kind of, I guess, a tactical situation, which worked for us quite well, you know, let them have more of the ball. But we're we know we've got dangerous players. If we can win the ball back, we can, we can hurt you. It might not be three, four, five times in a game, but if it's once as the season's proven, that potentially would be enough yeah. for us to, to get the win so but yeah I think at the time just relief more than yeah. anything else it was also settling into a, a rhythm of playing I remember Mark Robbins said didn't he um, a few times about once we get used to playing you know we, we were playing every fortnight at the start of the season and then getting back into the rhythm and then of course we had the international break so we had another free, a free weekend of football so it felt like a big win um, and then we backed it up with a uh, another clean sheet to make it three in a row a nil-nil draw away at Bristol City that you know I think was a good point that followed by a narrow defeat at home to Burnley, uh, who obviously were flying at the time and you know were flying all season really at the top. Now that was followed by three straight wins, three more clean sheets, uh, two big away wins against Cardiff and Stoke. Um, sandwiched in the middle was a, a one-nil late penalty win by Martin Wycorn against Sheffield United. Dave, another three clean sheets. So after those concerns a few weeks prior, we were starting to find our feet and we had moved off the bottom of the table, how, looking back, import, how important was getting those away wins and, and building some momentum? Yeah, I think we've said a bit about being a bit down and out, feeling out of luck. And I think the the penalty, late penalty, was like, it felt like our fortunes were turning around a little bit. Um, and I remember, you know, we were sort of, when you start winning games in you know, putting wins together, you know, a, a free there, you start to get that momentum and start to think, actually, you know, this isn't that bad. We're, there's still a hell of a lot of football to be played. We're starting to move out of the bottom three. But I still think we, at the time we thought it was going to be tough. Like you almost felt like some of those were a bit of a, not a shock, but, you, you know, 
you, you kind of felt that we, we maybe, you know, especially with the, the penalty, um, we were a bit lucky. Um, but, mate, looking back now, they were absolutely huge, weren't they? They were, they were big. They were big. You know, I remember that Cardiff game was felt huge because we didn't play that well. Um, I remember he, he took off my um, Callum Doyle after about 20 minutes because he was having an absolute stinker, you know, and took him off, brought on Rose. And then we obviously got the goal and, and you know, and deserved to win the game. Um, but I felt like in those young players, you then, after everything, the turbulent start, clearly the confidence must be knocked. It was good to then see them starting to sort of believe in themselves a bit, believe into our methods. And obviously that was showing in those in those results. It was a shame though, wouldn't be Commerce City. We had two games coming up after that, which you'd have expected us to pick up, you know, more points than we did. Two home games against Rotherham and Blackpool. We only we only managed one point, you know, drawing late on against Rotherham, thanks to a Jokeres penalty. And then Blackpool at home, we had a load of illness in the squad, lost the game. Matt, was it a slight frustration that we weren't able to you know, back up those three wins with a few more points in these couple of games? And it, and it also saw the return of Callum O'Hare uh, to the side, coming on to win us the penalty against Rotherham. And then he started up front with Casey Palmer against uh, Blackpool. Yeah, it, it was, because I think, just more in specifically the the teams we were playing against, to be honest with you. You come off the back of three wins, two of them away, as we say, one of them against Sheffield United, who obviously, you know, are um the team have been in the Premier League in recent years. So you start to see that form and it did feel as though now we've got this opportunity with two home games against teams that are um, you know, maybe a little less fancied, I guess. And here's our opportunity to really kick on and maybe put a bit more distance between ourselves and relegation zone and and, and feel a bit more comfortable. So it was difficult. I think the Rotherham game, you know, if memory serves you right, we were pretty dominant in that game. I think we had a lot of opportunities and, and obviously we scored two goals. So it's not to say, um, you know, we haven't um, found the back of the net, but they both came relatively late in the game. So just one of those frustrating days where you, um, I don't know, I think the result just don't, doesn't go your way, fall, things fall the wrong way. And and actually, at the end, we're, we're quite relieved to maybe take a point out of the game and keep that momentum going. The Blackpool game, as I say, uh, or as you you mentioned, with the the illness that we had in the squad, that just felt like a bit of a, a kick in the teeth. You know, as you say, we're getting Callum O'Hare back and, and hopefully this would have been an opportunity for us. But um, yeah, it was disappointing because we felt like we'd built that momentum and then we were going into two very winnable games in it just kind of stalled there again. Yeah, it did. But we managed to get that momentum back. Four wins in a row. One nil win at home to Blackburn. A one nil win away at Watford. A two nil home win. One of our games in hands against uh, Wigan. And then a two nil home win against QPR. So four wins, four more clean sheets, taking us into the World Cup break, lifting lifting us up into 11th and top half of the table for the first time in the season. O'Hare back fit, Vic on fire, Palmer getting sharper, and obviously those impressive wins as well. Meanwhile, in the background, Wasps having absolute financial turmoil. Um, and, and and out of the blue, just after the QPR game on the 16th of November, you know, Coventry announcing that they'd agreed, CCU agreed to sell 85% to Doug King. I mean, it was like all our Christmases had come at once, Dave. Yeah, I mean, the Watford was a big turning point, I think, just to go and turn over a team like that. Now, obviously, you know, now we know that they were not the team and haven't been the team that they they we thought they would have been at the start of the season. But that was a huge, huge result. Blackburn, again, at home, 
um you know uh un under the lights was a was a was another you know high point um and then we did what we should have done i think against wigan and qpr it, it, you know qpr was a was was when we played them, I can't remember. They would have been high, much higher in the league than where they were on we form were. at the time because yeah, Mick Beal yeah. had turned down uh, Wolves, hadn't he? Yeah, They'd been on that yeah. joke run. Yeah, so that felt like you know the Wigan. It felt like it should be expected, but home games you're always hoping to win. And I think we we were starting to do what we we sort of felt that we should be doing. I think and starting to get some of the results that perhaps performances. Um, and then obviously, like you say, the the, the Doug King stuff it was just you know completely out of the blue no one no one and i mean no one had had, had a clue that no. that was that was going to happen there was nothing in the press at all um and and it was just you know i remember that that evening phoning up my dad and saying that you know they've they've got we've gone pretty much we've got we've they're out they're gone they're, people it, didn't it, believe it though did they you, you know, know like people still to this day i still walk around at wembley thinking you know he's going he's, he's doing a lot to try and get these free corporate tickets isn't he to all these these skeptics i mean it was unbelievable i mean i felt like i would was going to die and cc would still be somehow in charge you know and it was um yeah it, 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 it was sort of yeah a remarkable bit of news you know to see um and it's interesting looking back because I remember, you know, Talk Sport, Matt, you know, Simon Jordan had spoke about, you know, it'd been in the press that he was looking at the club. And I remember, I can't remember which newspaper it was, but that it'd been put out there that CSU were looking for additional investment. And I just thought that was like, you know, a, a play really, because we knew the stadium was gonna was coming up, Wasp were in dire straits. But it's interesting now looking back, thinking when Simon Jordan said, oh, Coventry City's in play, you know, in terms of, buying that we were you know I don't think any of us really took that you know seriously you know and as Dave said we seeing it I I, I don't think you know they say seeing is believing I don't think anyone believed it still you know we just couldn't believe everyone thought that no this is just some sort of another Sisu game yeah it was completely out of the blue and it, as you say I think you know there was talk about Simon Jordan if you through a few things out there it just didn't feel realistic to me in any way shape or form you know I couldn't see anything happening we've been through years of of people throwing their hat in the ring or suggesting we were going to you know we're putting a consortium together and putting a good bid together and we're going to take over the club and it just seemed Sisu had no intention of entertaining any of those conversations really and it was completely knocked back and you know what sounded like serious people within football were you know, we're asking questions and making inquiries and they just seem to have no interest. So as Dave mentioned, you know, when it the, the news broke, there was just no inclination, no, no hints, no suggestion, no anything. It completely came out of the blue. And I think almost that was more enjoyable as well. You know, it was such a shock. I remember, um, I remember the night clearly, I, you know, it was getting the kids off to bed and, and that took about three hours from that point because, just jubilation, really. You kind of where were you when Sisu agreed to sell? Everyone will remember exactly remembered. where though where you I were. Absolutely remember it. You know, just getting the kids out of the bathroom, just having a quick check, see if anything's happened, and and there it is. We've we've been taken over. I'm like, what? What? Where is this coming? There was no <laughs> no inclination of anything coming, and um and it just felt like this new hopeful new new opportunity new dawn for the football club was there. And it's interesting. What I wanted to ask you, you both was. So looking back now, you know, and as you said, Matt, CeCe had rebuffed, you know, approaches and, and speculation about whether it was Preston Haskell years ago or whether it was Gary Hoffman with various consortiums, whoever it might have been. 
they were like, the club is not for sale. And this was when we were in League One and lower. I still find it now absolutely baffling that, and this is this is before we 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 you know our season went the way it did. Did you find it baffling that the timing of it all? You know, at this point when we're back in the championship, finished twelfth the previous season after a horrible start, we're we're in the top half, looking like we could carry on this momentum and push for playoffs. Why they would sell at that point? Yeah, I just all I could tie it with is obviously it came the day before the whole situation with the stadium. So I, it just in my mind, without being able to fully explain or understand why that would be, you know, it felt like it just must have been tied in with the stadium. And I know obviously that we found out not long after that that was we were trying to buy the stadium as well and and but yeah as far as a football club you know in, in terms of the time that they've been um involved with us this felt like our i guess our highest point you could say in some regard our, our best opportunity to kind of kick on and, and and maybe in some point in the next few years or whatever with a bit of investment or keeping the right people in the football club we could kick on and do something really special um, it, it just felt really odd, but it felt odd to me when, you know, you were talking about seemingly quite serious people within football putting in bids and offers and and looking to take the club on. And they just seem to have no interest in talking to them as well. So I think we can quite safely say there's a lot of things that happened in the Sisu era, which, you know, really didn't make sense. So I guess it makes sense for their departure to, to kind of fit that trend as well. well. That's a very polite way of saying it. I think there's a lot of stuff they said that didn't <laughs> yeah, make very sense. Um, Dave. Going into the World Cup break with those four wins, did you feel like, were you happy that the World Cup break came or did you feel like it came at the wrong time, um, you know, based on the form that we that we had at that time? Yeah, I think it definitely felt like it came at the wrong time. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I remember thinking, actually, you know, we've, we've, we've got points on the board. We're in the right direction. Like you say, we were, what, half... Um, you know, mid-table or something like that, um, and and we're seemingly starting to to progress. But actually, it felt like the World Cup would be quite a nice, like line under the sand, and then like give everyone a break, get everyone back in, maybe get. Um, you know, I think we had some injuries around the time. I'm not sure if it was Palmer, but maybe even I, I can't remember. But I remember thinking that actually get a few people back fit, um, get a few, you know, a bit more just a you know just a bit more time together on the training pitch when they once they get back in not having that you know sort of ridiculous championship schedule that is tuesday saturday tuesday saturday a lot of the times um and and yeah i felt like actually it's not a bad time to have a break and that we can then kick on once we we all come back and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. So we returned from the World Cup. England lost once again. Uh, Harry Kane missing a penalty and we were all delighted to get back to league action, uh, particularly as we'd spoke about the form that we'd been on prior to the World Cup. It didn't quite carry on, though, as we'd left off. Um, A rough period for the Sky Blues, uh, a defeat away at Reading, and then a 3-3 draw at home to Swansea, 3-0 up in the second half. Um, Dave, what? What what went wrong in that game? I I don't think I can go past that game without giving it a mention. Yeah, I mean the Reading one again was just we should have beat them. We were we were much the better team. They had nothing on offer. They were just pumping balls to Andy Carroll like that was literally their only. Uh, we should have got a result there. Um, and and then I think the Swansea felt bigger than it than it probably was. You know we'd come with you know we'd like you say, won four games in a row before the World Cup, but just seems again that a bit like the start of the season that we were just were struggling to get going again and it was odd and we were like, oh, what, where's this form gone? Where's this momentum gone? Where's this like p- passion gone? You know, to sort of a bit of a lacklustre at times against Reading, even though I think we're a much better team, to not be able to convert and not be able to break them down to then go into the Swansea game thinking, right, everything's going well. And then we just capitulated was just worrying, wasn't it? I think very, very worrying. Um, and I think had the season not gone the way it is, that would have been the game, you know, among some of the start that people would have pinpointed and gone. That's where our season, you know, got wrecked. Yeah, 100%. We then did bounce back, a 1-0 win against West Brom. Victor Jokerez winning yet another penalty and, and dispatching it uh, confidently to give us the three points. But then we, on Boxing Day, had a tough 3-1 defeat away um, at Sheffield United. Um, and this felt like a big moment as well, Matt. Callum O'Hare getting injured early on. And, you know, we missed a penalty. Again, probably could have got more from the game, but you know, beyond the the result, it felt like O'Hare being injured. Some people said that was our, our season over. What, what what do you remember you feeling at the time? I think just more the surrounding circumstances. A lot of teams would have gone to Sheffield United and and lost. Obviously, they've they've ended up going up automatically. So for us to go there and and lose, you know, being realistic, we had to to feel like that could happen, but. The manner of it, as you say, with missing the penalty, so there was the opportunity there, and mainly more than anything, obviously the Callum O'Hare situation. You know, with the recurrence of the injury, it felt at that point, you know, maybe we have to come to terms with the fact of O'Hare isn't going to be a major player or major factor for this for us this season, unfortunately. And he's such a prospect and such a great player, and and everything else. You just want to make sure we do the right thing in terms of the long term for him. So if that has to be the case, then it has to be the case. So more than, as you say, the result, it's kind of the the manner of everything that came around it. I just, yeah, I probably do think looking back on it and you look back at this period of time as well. I mean, it's quite crazy when you actually look at the results through the season, how we started, then had a good run. But in this period of time as well, you know, we're getting here until early kind of February 
uh, so we we get we're not far away from from that period of time now but it, it seems like a million years ago because of um everything that happened since really but just that period of time I think it felt like okay I, you know I didn't think we were going to get dragged into a relegation battle by any uh, stretch of the imagination I felt like we were too well set up for that as a football club um but it felt like realistically any opportunity for us to do anything at the other end of the of the table particularly special was was probably slipping through our hands realistically yeah and that, and that and that was the start that game uh, that defeat Sheffield United was the start of six games in all competitions without a win um got uh, draws against Cardiff goalless at home one all against Bristol followed by an embarrassing defeat to Wrexham in the FA Cup um and then following that, we had two tough games and both ended up in defeats despite a very good performance, a 1-0 defeat to Burnley um, and then a shambolic defensive display, um, seeing us lose 4-2 at home to Norwich. Now that run of games, Dave, obviously the Wrexham and, and Norwich defeat sort of stand out in terms of the performance levels, but they left a lot to be desired. I, I actually think Burnley was one of our best performances. I like... Agreed. Jokeres should have sort of scored they put one on a plate for him and he was in two minds which he, you know he'd done a couple of times this throughout the season um but again you know after the Wrexham defeat you go to Burnley you put in a performance like that and then they just sort of they limped over the line you know by by pushing one in after winding Ben Wilson up uh from the corner I think the Norwich is the one you know the Norwich was like you know we, we had a good performance against Burnley you're going right we've got Norwich at home if I'm right in thinking it was on TV, I think um, yes. midday kickoff, is that right? Yeah. Midday kickoff. Yeah. And, and you think, great, you know, early kickoff, CBS is going to be bouncing. Like let's get up there. And we just didn't show up. Did we? we just did not show up. And again, you start to go back and think these defensive, you know, you'd had a bad one against Wrexham and then against Norwich, you sort of, where have these defensive errors crept in again? And 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 the, the alarm bells start to ring again. And then you start looking at who you've got to play. You know, you think Huddersfield's going to be a tricky one. You've got then West Brom, um, you know, which is tough. And you're starting to think actually in Luton, it's, it's all starting to look a bit bad again. Not bad, but just a bit like mediocre. Especially when, yeah, like you say, when we're putting in defensive displays like that I'm uh, yeah that Norwich one was was brutal it was my dad's 60th we got the Dylan's box and it all just fell apart in the first half an hour and I wanted to wanted to leave but um but then obviously we were in the January transfer window and the confirmation came that Doug King's uh takeover had been approved which we'd been waiting for Matt January transfer window arrived and we finally replaced Hyam brought in Luke McNally on loan from Burnley Josh Wilson Esbran Brooke Norton Cuffey um, and Sean Maguire. That's a, otherwise, I would have totally forgot we signed him based on his games if I hadn't checked. They came into the club. Were you happy with our January incoming business, Matt? Ironically, I'll, I'm going to throw myself into the bus here, but probably the one I was most happy about was Maguire. Um, just, uh, you know, it obviously didn't work out well. I'm not going to try and defend it after the fact, but we were really struggling from a striker point of view. We'd let Waghorn go out on loan. Godden was was struggling with injury. He didn't come back until a little bit after that, I don't think. Um, obviously, Tavares as well. We we needed bodies in. And, I, you know, we still realistically weren't going to be a club that we're going to spend into the millions on a striker. And I thought, Do you know what? We signed a solid... I didn't expect him to... I'm not going to completely throw myself into the bus. I didn't expect him to come in and score 
you know, 15 goals in the second half of the season. But I just thought, right, we're, we're probably going to sell with one striker, which we know we can do effectively with Jokerez. Um, and you know what? If he's somebody that's going to come on in the 75th minute, somebody who's played in the championship for a long time. Offer and... you something a little bit different, it felt like at the time. Yeah, exactly. I think we were very one dimensional, wasn't we? Yeah, some, something different to, to kind of the situation with Jokerez. So if maybe he wasn't on form or you're bringing somebody on with 25, 30 minutes to go who has got a lot of experience or maybe, you know, you throw the two of them up top. I, I just, I didn't expect him to change the world and turn us into anything amazing, but I just thought um, it was a relatively solid transfer. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. More, you know, well... Uh, who knows what, 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 what went wrong well. there do you think I mean he, he, you say obviously I, I agree I think we were hoping he was going to come on for 25-30 minutes he, he ultimately came on for like 25-30 seconds against Huddersfield on <laughs> his, his debut didn't touch the ball but what, yeah. what what went wrong there I mean I always find it I don't know about you two but there's it's always ominous there's that Robbins quote and you had it with Hilsner and you've had it with other players where he says that we just need to get him up to the level. There's one thing about fitness, which he said about Palmer, but he was playing Palmer. He'd give Palmer five, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But when, when he says stuff like, we've got to get him up to the level, our, our alarm bells are ringing for me there. And, you know, he said, I think he said something along the lines of, we need to get him to let the shackles off. I mean, he, he I'll tell you, it's hard to say he had any impact because he, he literally didn't play Dave. No, I mean, it's just that that one where he rounded the keeper and you saw this little spark of something and you thought... In slow-mo, it felt... You, but you, I did see that and thought, you know what, I, I saw something there in him. But, you know, I'll just go along with the Twitter RT and just absolutely like mudsling because, you know, it's easier. It's easier. But, you know, I actually feel, not you know, sorry for him. And I think what hasn't been said and and we've we've heard heard this a lot um is actually he was he was actually brilliant in the changing room which sounds it's an expensive like morale i'd have been cheaper i'd have been cheaper i could have been in the dressing room (laughs) exactly but like you know he, he he didn't upset the apple car he you know, he could have come in and thrown his toys out the pram and, and been demanding to play and all sorts of things. Doesn't seem like he was that sort of character. Um, and, you know, seem, seemingly, yeah, he didn't get out of the any minutes, but he didn't he didn't hinder, I suppose, you know, anything either. Yeah. And obviously, as touched on, you know, brought in two new wing backs, which I think we, you know, we wanted. Uh, Brooke Norton Cuffey for the right side and Josh Wilson has brand online from Man City for the left wing back slot to complete, compete with that Jake Bidwell. On the other end of the spectrum though, Waghorn Kane, um, they were allowed to leave on loan for the second half of the season. Dave, was it, you know, were you relieved or, or pleased to see that we were you know, trimming some of our high earners, you know, who, who also hadn't, you know, were either out of favour or, or just not good enough or, or you know, yeah, financially, I'm not sure what the deal was. You'd hope it would be around 50% or something like that, that, that Huddersfield were, were paying towards Waghorn. But I also felt that it um, it sounds really odd. I'm sure he did. You know, Robbins, I've said it so many times, he hasn't got any sentiment uh, at all. Um, and you don't, you can't as a football manager. But I did feel like he wanted to give Waghorn minutes or at least, you know what I mean, Try and just to keep trying to see um, if he could do anything. And I felt that once he'd left, he didn't have to do that anymore. The fans did no longer had like a bit of a scapegoat either. It was like, it felt like a bit of a new, new leaf. Um, And 
you know, great for Waghorn. At that age, you've got to be playing. You know, if you're still playing football, you've got to be you've got to be playing. And uh, you know, he he went off to Huddersfield to to get some minutes. He did. And Huddersfield was our next game, a 2-0 win, uh, a very solid debut from Luke McNally, I remember from that game, a 2-0 win. That was followed by a frustrating 1-0 defeat away at West Brom. And then we had Luton Town, uh, a one-all draw, a Matty Godden penalty um, sharing the spoils. And that began a run, uh, an unbeaten run of nine games, uh, a run that certainly had some standout matches, um, beating Sunderland 2-1 at the CBS and a great game, great atmosphere. The only negative was Palmer obviously getting injured, um, as well as obviously the 4-1 win um, away at Blackpool. Um you know, Matt, there was some there were some great games in that run, and we really started to score some goals. You know, a four 0 win against Huddersfield um, as well. So, and some good away wins and some more clean sheets. There was there was a lot to be pleased about in this this run of this unbeaten run. Yeah, what a great period it was. Um, you know, you look back on some of these games here, and as you mentioned, the, the Blackpool four one. What, what you know, what a day out that is. Huddersfield four 0 away. We were doing, uh, Dave mentioned it a little earlier on, we were, one of the things you always worry about, I think as a football fan, but, you know, especially Coventry fans, you talk about doing what you should and you kind of think, to what extent are we going to do that or are we not going to do that? You always kind of think, you know, if you threw three games at me, like we mentioned with, um, was it Cardiff, Sheffield United and um, somebody else would be earlier in the season, you know, going into that, you think, on paper, you know, maybe we could do this, but you just don't expect us to actually go through that period and pick up the nine points. You just expect something to kind of happen. And it, I kind of think back to three really pivotal games for me, Huddersfield away, Blackpool away, QPR away. You know, we, uh, are, by all rights, on paper, we should, we're, we're a better team than all three of those. We should have a really good chance to win. But if you ask me before those games, are we going to go away to all of those three sides and pick up three points? I'd have just really struggled to say, yes, we are. Um, and ultimately, we, you know, for us to do what we ended up doing, we needed to do it. But not only did we do it, we we did it at such a canter, look so impressive. And that's what started to come through in this period of time. You look at some of these games, you know, we didn't just win. We were we were we were comfortable, we looked impressive. We looked the Huddersfield one was was the one, I think, because yeah, I think I'm right in thinking Warnock had just come. In is that right? Or he'd had a couple of games before then, and they hadn't yeah. even started particularly well with him. And then obviously they lose to us 4-0, and everybody's saying this is a terrible appointment. And then that pretty much seemed to kickstart them going completely the other way. But that game, that we just look even more impressive. We just looked, yeah. That game, I thought we just looked a complete level above. You yeah. know, everything was was, levels, yeah. was clicking. And you know, the 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 counter-attack that day just looked absolutely like electric, just unstoppable. And I think you're right, like that was I think when a lot of people would have been in, you know, seriously good mood that tactical kind of approach which served as well you know towards the end and in those late games you could see that really taking effect here you know we were um we were we were nicking possession we were countering attacking really quick getting the ball up to Gokarez or breaking really well with Hamer or Allen and we were clinical and it just felt this is a really really exciting rhythm for us to get into because we're not finding our way through games and nicking it one nil or scrapping or or you know grabbing a goal or whatever we, we just look so so efficient we had such a well played out tactical plan going into these games and we executed it so well 
it, it was a really special period of games. It was, and it's worth pointing out we didn't lose to Preston away as well. You know, we we didn't win, but we got a nil nil draw, so that wasn't that wasn't a bad result either. Um, and as you said, the Blackpool you know win was fantastic. Ben Sheaf obviously you know you know getting on the score sheet, and he then signed a you know signed a new deal. You know, short you know after that game uh, before our game against Stoke. Um, great Dave to get you know one of our one of our best players tied down, you know, to join the 2026 club. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, was, it was a really big moment. Um, massive, you know, um, and, and again, just that feel good factor around the club, I think is, was, you know, stark contrast to the, to the start of the season. Yeah. And Eccles as well, 2027. And it was interesting that Robin said that they'd look to do Eccles extension at the start of the season, but we literally just didn't have the money or the means to do it. So obviously the change of ownership and things were starting to get put in place. That was great to see. But as you touched on Dave earlier after the World Cup break, we, we and I've always said this, I, I think we were rubbish after breaks. We had another international break and we come back and we get absolutely thumped by Brazil, it, it seemed, um, or Stoke City. Um, and I mean... It was just one of those games, wasn't it? But I mean, if you if you'd listened to the, the the you know read the Stoke forum or been on Stoke's Twitter or even listened to Mark Robbins after the game, I, I genuinely thought we were playing Manchester City. You know, it was like that this team are just going to plow on to the playoffs. I mean, do you just put it down to a bad day at the office? Yeah, I couldn't get to this game. I remember I couldn't I couldn't go, and I'm very fortunate that I couldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I just couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. Um, I'm trying to think why I wouldn't have been there, but it just, you know, it, that, that was again, I think where people would started to think, Oh, you know, we might skirt with playoffs. We might, it's very unlikely, but we might. And then after that, no chance. If you'd have listened to CWR, you would have thought that we were hovering above relegation zone after that, that defeat. Right. And it's, it's funny because you look back and you think, well, we'd gone and done it at Huddersfield. We'd gone and done it at Blackpool. You know, the championship is a freak, you know, freak league at times. And sometimes you just have to take your medicine and and and, and accept it. And uh, exactly. And after that game, you know, it's worth pointing out Stoke then didn't win another game for the rest of the season. We we then went to Swansea, drew nil-nil, and then the Watford 2-2 at home. And our, that game, we started that game like we did Stoke, went 2-0 down, a woeful um, first half and a woeful first five minutes of the second half, but then we got back into it. And you'd look at those three games: a defeat at home, and then two draws. And normally, Matt, you, you, you'd have felt like, yeah, that probably is it. But the teams above us were dropping points. Millwall were losing to Millwall and Blackburn weren't doing what we'd been doing in that run of games, which was doing what they should. And as a result. We actually were only three points off the playoffs after that winless run of three games. I mean, I think that that started to increase a bit of belief, didn't it? You know, not not maybe just what we were doing or not doing, but what other teams that they were feeling the pressure. Exactly that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It was. It just started to really hit home. You know, I know if I go back and listen to the pods around this time, or even going back a little bit before then, you know, I was always kind of putting out there 
we're probably just going to fall short. And you look at some of these other teams and they've got, you know, so much more depth in terms of the squads, the amount of when you start getting later in the season and those parachute payments that teams have got and they start calling on, you know, 15, 16, 17 players in their squad, you just think, wow, that 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 feels concerning when you go down into those depths for us versus a Norwich or or a Watford or all those other teams. So for me, going into that period of time, I thought it's just not going to happen for you. It's just, um, but as you say, quite rightly, just there, there was no consistency from any other team at that point to an extended period of time where you start saying, well, hang on here. You know, it's not just maybe they're struggling for one, two games. It was, you know, it was a period of a couple of months and there'd be probably one other team other than us getting ourselves into that area who might win. And then it, literally every other team were either drawing or, or losing and just some results I remember at the time just where where are these results coming from I know Norwich lost some games at home where you're thinking where have they lost those games they all lost to Huddersfield felt, you know yeah. they lost, yeah. and and Watford Watford. lost and yeah and, and Birmingham and Birmingham sense. City beat beat so, Millwall at the Den 1-0 and you're thinking you could Wigan write as well it. I think picked up a result against Watford you, maybe at this yes, time uh, yeah they did and you, you couldn't make it up and but it got to the point though didn't it with uh, five games to go we had QPR away it, it came to a point where we we had to then get a win we you know we couldn't keep relying on you know fortuitous so other results to go our way and and dave went to qpr went down to the big smoke and we uh again served up just another clinic of showing how we're a level above these these dross dross sides yeah and i mean just to you know commiserations to qpr what what a season they they had you know any I'm sure we don't get many QPR listeners, but if we did, like you just have to say how awful really a, a drop from grace for them. But we went down there emphatic. Vic was unplayable. Um, we we just looked so, so good. And it reminded me a little bit of that Huddersfield. Again, just not just going there and taking the result for exactly what we should do, playing the way that we play and bossing the game from start to finish. And we were just out of sight. And, and you know, that was an, it was an incredible, uh, incredible time. And and I've got to give an honorary mention to Nick Kaplan that I go to, to matches with, because every time we had a, a result, um, and even when we didn't have the results, things like the Watford, he would say, it's still on, it's still on. And I was like, it definitely isn't on. But after QPR, I must admit, I was thinking we are, you know, we're, we're in, we're in, we're touching distance here. Yeah, it was, and that followed by a humongous game, Blackburn away. Matt, all I can say, say is, uh, he's magic, you know, super Ben Wilson and goal. How important was that? That moment, I mean, that that's an iconic moment we'll remember. You know, it's the first keeper goal for Conference since since Oggy. Um, you know, talk to me. How big did that feel? You know, it, no, obviously knowing what happened after, how important was that 96th minute equaliser? Yeah, I, I struggle to, other than obviously, you know, maybe um, in games where it was do or die or whatever, if we if we get that point or whatever, I struggle to remember celebrating an, an equaliser as much as that goal because it did just feel massive obviously it was great for us to to get that point ourselves but just taking those points off Blackburn as well um it was just massive I remember um I think I've thrown myself into the bus a couple of times here but a, a good 
moment on the pod that I can think back. We just before going into this game after QPR, you know, I think on the pod we were trying to say, right, how many points do we think we need to to get to make the playoffs? And we were pretty uniformed in saying we need 70, which would have represented two wins and two draws. And we pretty much predicted it from there. So Black Blackburn was just massive for us to to obviously stop them from picking up those points more than anything else. And and obviously the way that the manner that we were able to do it as well was just an, an extra bonus because it just, for us, it, it started to give you that feeling of it's it's destined that we do something special this season. And I think maybe it, it did the reverse for Blackburn. You know, they cried for God knows how long about the handball. And I think it just, you could see the air completely fall out of their season. I know they'd probably been on a little bit of a poor run before that as well, but the, the air just completely got let out of the balloon for them at that point. And they, they just... But they crumbled, didn't when they? That goal went in. Yeah, I think when that goal went in, I, I did look at it, I think, do you know what? I, I can't see a way that we don't finish above them. We're still maybe other threats potentially there, but... Yeah, I US Broms, I think. But yeah, I exactly, agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it, it just... I, I hate the that destined because I had a few moments throughout the season and I had one right at the end of of the season and and it proved to not be true so I hate those but you're you're right you have these little moments and that and I think you're spot on the the fact that we took points off Blackburn not the fact that we got a point was was um you know we'd stop them from from because I think they said a game in hand didn't they at the time yes against Luton yeah it was really really important that we took points because we expected Luton to take um you know to, to beat them as well and that sort of, you know, that was, you know, a, a tough, tough game. And at Blackburn, they followed that up by conceding. I think Hyam scored that a 97th minute equaliser for Preston the following. So, you know, it, our seasons just were going in completely different directions. And I think that emotion, that momentum at this this point of the season is, is huge. We then had two home games. Reading beat them 2-1. Birmingham City, a sellout at the CBS. I felt both these games, in particular Birmingham, um, Dave were just were just spectacles. You know, it was it, it, incredible. You know, I think back to like regular season games, just to see the CBS hot day as packed as it was on the cusp a, of, of on the something cusp. special. Yeah, and you you compare that to Preston, which we spoke about earlier in the pod. Chalk and cheese. It, it's bizarre. It's the same season, right? It's so funny that you chose Preston because it's a game at at which would have been the Rico and now the, the, the CVS, obviously that I will always remember. And it was Preston. They beat us one nil. They had to do absolutely nothing. This is going back years. This is, you know, early days in the championship. And it was when we were just so poor, the atmosphere was so poor. The seasons were going nowhere. Like they were just, it just wasn't a great place to go. And I remember thinking, why am I still doing, what am I doing this? I was <laughs> trudging up from like the Isle of Wight. I was like, what, what am I doing? What, like seriously. But so it's funny you mentioned Preston because that I always go back to that game, but yeah, you have to watch games like that and have to experience times like that to appreciate the, the atmosphere that we had at Birmingham. And that was just, yeah, it was, it was by far the best home atmosphere I, I can remember for a while. Although I think there was still expectation that we had to win. And I still think there were some nervy oh. points. It, the pre-game was just, it was carnival. We, we had to win and we did. We, we again, we, we showed up and we were too good. It reminded me of when I went to Forest away 
you know, last season and Forrest had that momentum and they just, they sort of just roared the ball in, in the back of the net. And it almost felt like we're, we are just turning up because that's the part we've got to play, you know, and the script was sort of written. We then went to Middlesbrough, as we know, on the final day, that weird scenario of just needing a point. We did it and we confirmed only our second ever playoff campaign, our first at this level. We'd already confirmed our highest ever finish since being relegated from the Premier League. And we had our two our two-legged affair with uh, Middlesbrough. Obviously, you know, not too much as we spoke about in the pods from the first leg, the second leg, that Gustavo Hamer magic um to send us to Wembley. And it was um it was then a long 10 days, Matt, it felt like from the moment that we knew it was happening and the celebrations of and the jubilation of being the only side to be away in the second leg of the, all three playoffs to, to get through. It felt, I don't know about you, but I just felt like it felt about 10 years, that, that sort of gap. Um, but it was, what a great build it wasn't. It was great that our season wasn't over and it wasn't over at the first hurdle. We, we were going all the way. The march to the arch was on. Yeah. I kind of, you know, it's obviously only the last week or two weeks or so. I kind of I, I agree it felt like an eternity it felt so painful in some respect even though it was enjoyable it was this great occasion that we were but you just wanted to to get there yeah. and it felt so difficult when you're saying oh we've still got seven days and how am I going to get through seven days with this much anticipation for this game and now all I can think about is how much I would give to be able to go back to that point <laughs> of seven days out and um, and that opportunity and, and everything else, I feel God, I didn't really appreciate it enough, but it did just feel so, so anxious waiting for that, waiting for that massive day, that massive opportunity for us. You just wanted to get there, but it was such a, you know, obviously amazing uh, atmosphere, amazing victory to go up to Middlesbrough and do what we did and, and, and obviously book ourselves in a game that throughout this, not only just throughout the season, but then going into that two leg with two leg, uh, affair with Middlesbrough you know nobody again really gave us a chance of doing it as you say we were the only team to kind of play away second leg and, and, and manage to overcome the odds as it were yeah it was um, it was incredible and we and you know both sides got to the final fully deserved it let's come on to Wembley then Dave we when it got to the, the day you know because I you know I think the build-up those 10 days you'd feel different things at times you'd feel more say confident other times would be a bit more trepidation, but on the day of the sun was shining. It was blistering. We reunited the sky was extra boys. We, we saw Lauti from Argentina, all of that. It was a, 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 a buzzing buildup. How, how are you feeling an hour out from kickoff having soaked up the atmosphere? What was your sort of pre-match emotions? I remember um, we come back from the cafe and we were meeting people on the steps just below Wembley Park. And I remember looking at the steps at Wembley Park and the fans were starting to stream down, not in thousands, but in little pockets. It was still very early. Um, And I think that's when the nerves set in, actually, the realisation of what was at stake. And actually the week before that, or the 10 days before that, I was so confident. I just couldn't see how we got beat because I just felt that everything was with us all of the momentum it was written in the stars uh it you know we shouldn't have got to that point all of what we've gone through in the season it just felt like destined and and that's why i mentioned you know this was the, that 10 days was the first sorry you know another occasion of of thinking that this is our destiny to to be able to 
go to Wembley and, and, and get up. And it wasn't until probably, you know, the morning of, of seeing Wembley, being there and being around it and seeing it start to come alive that I started to actually get nervous. We're up against a decent outfit here. They were in the playoff final the year before. They've been pretty good. They shrugged off Sunderland, like, to, to be honest, Sunderland were a, a, a whimper. They couldn't lay a glove at the, at the, at the Kenny or the Kenilworth. And, um, uh, you know, and, and and they were so many points ahead of, of other teams as well that I just felt like, yeah, actually, that was when realisation set in that we, we've got a really, really tricky... We've actually got up. to play the game. I, I know you, you yeah. do feel like it is written in the stars and you sort of think, yeah. oh, you know what, I, I, I could just wait. And anything can happen. will have done it. Yes, and you realise that it's a, a game of football and football doesn't care for... Yeah for any yeah. of that and you've still got to go and play it you've still got to go and score a goal against this team that have been and endure some pain right because as yeah. commentary fans I, th- I I kept thinking if we're, get, if we're going to do this it's going to be the most unbearable sort of longest 90 or whatever however long minutes of of my life and the game the, the lineup came out I think there was only two options Matt that we had the choice of doing was it Allen or was it Godden was it going to be one or, or two up top he obviously went with the same side that got the job done at uh, the Riverside. Did you think that was the right decision? You know, before the game, obviously it's easy in hindsight, but. Um... Yeah, I, I have to say, I don't see how you could change the side that had done what it had done at Middlesbrough for that final. So I think when we spoke on the pod, obviously pre the final, um, there were a few areas we touched on and, we kind of, I think you were saying, obviously, you've got Sunderland and Middlesbrough, you've got more technically able players. You could probably advantage of the big pitch and a few things like that. I think I will say there was a concern in my mind that Luton were a lot more unpredictable for us in terms of what they would do tactically that would allow us to kind of play the way that we wanted, if that makes sense. I think when we obviously went to the option of a box midfield against Middlesbrough, knowing the way they want to play and then knowing the way you look back to those Huddersfield, QPR, uh, Blackpool games, knowing the way that we can play, um, it just it just fit really well for us to kind of control the midfield. We said it last week, you know, control the midfield with such little possession, really. Um, and, and that was the concern I had for the Luton game is, are they going to try and bypass the midfield and kind of we're potentially going to have a packed midfield without the ball being there too much. But I have to be honest and say before the game, you know, my overriding feeling would be you can't change that size. Yeah, you no, know, it, it would it would be crazy. So, it, um, yeah. I, he I wants that option, that. doesn't he? You know, I think if whenever we start yeah. with two up top, then it's difficult because we haven't got the depth to sort of yeah. bring another striker on. It, w- it would then seem defensive to go from two up top to, to one. The, the, obviously, the first half was very disappointing. Dave, I don't know about you. I am... Um, yeah, it was really, really disappointing. We didn't get going whatsoever. Didn't think Luton were particularly good. I, I just thought we were like overawed by, 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 by the occasion, perhaps. Um, and it got to half time. You know, they scored. Um, Adebayo did very well on the left. You know, he sort of turned fads sort of inside out uh, and again upside down and then and squared it across and they scored. Could have been potentially more. Um, but a halftime whistle came and was it a sense of relief that it was only one nil as well as coupled with disappointment in how we had played? Yeah, absolutely. I, f- I just remember thinking that we can't be as bad as that in the second half. Plus we're going to be kicking towards 
our supporters, which I just felt would be some sort of glimmer of hope and and spark something. But I just think, you know, Hamer uncharacteristically was couldn't couldn't buy a pass. You know, he really couldn't. And I just felt that. Wait a minute, even Hamer's nervous. What what's going on? Like, why why are we so nervous about this? And actually looking back, thinking, and Matt touched on it, and I think in the lead up to the game, everyone was talking about the fact that, you know, Luton play quite a long ball and and I was like, great, you know, a lot of people felt the same that it's going to be quite difficult, uh, sorry, quite straightforward to defend about. But when you add the pressure kitchen of Wembley and actually for continuously for 20, 25 minutes, you're just getting bombs dropped on you from deep and the balls were going in, in behind. That is a nightmare. Like really you want everything on the floor and playing in front of you. Right. And I didn't really think about that when I thought about the style of play that Luton have and the fact that they were just dropping big balls it, and we were nervous anyway. I think that, is what made us, you know, we, we were just, we were just clearing it. We were like, we were playing as if it was like the 85th minute, you know, um, and we were one nil up, just clearing it wherever we can, not any like sort of. No confidence was there. There It was very passive. It reminded me of the first season of the championship where we used to just try and feel our way into a game. You know, but yeah. you can't do that, can you, in the playoff no, final? You know, exactly. Playoff final, you and know, I think and... that that's, that's one big thing that Luton's style of play really lent itself to that sort of environment. A, a, a midweek game up, up the CBS, you know, and they're just putting it straight down your throat. Absolutely comfortable. All day you'll deal with that. But in the different scenario of being in front of Wembley, in front of thousands of people and what was at stake, you know, £180 million lottery ticket I think all of that combined meant that they were just so nervous and it didn't do anything for their nerves when they were launching balls you know high into to us and and you had defenders jumping for the same ball at times and, and they were and yeah fans I thought was on um you know I thought he was underwhelming in the first half he looked nervous I think like when and when you have big players and experienced players were nervous I think that certainly rubbed off it ripples As, through the team that doesn't it you know that, does, that's yeah. what's going to ripple if if you're if you're a, uh, looking at senior pros or the people that have pulled you out of the mess like Hamer at times and Jokeres and McFadzine and they're nervous and they're you know, it's just going to be. What's if it's going to like ripple in a positive way, you know, they all talk about how Faz has been a positive influence. Then you you can only imagine it would work on the, the flip side as well. Um, you did say though that we couldn't get be any uh, be as bad as that, you know, in the second half with so much at stake. And 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 Matt, the second half, we he made the change that I think was abundantly clear because I thought Alan was so far off the pace. I mean, we we all were as a team, but he just stood out. And we got that second body up front, Matty Godden. And the second half, we we were a lot more at it. We we suddenly turned up, you know, and uh yeah, a lot more energy, a lot more quality, and a lot more confidence. And obviously that resulted in 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 our superb equalizer, which you spoke about celebrating equalizers, you know, the Ben Wilson one. I mean, at, at this moment, it was like an out-of-body experience, I felt like, you know, when that seeing that ball hit the back of the net. I don't think I necessarily really celebrate. I just remember arms around me and sort of almost feeling like numb. It was, it was, it was a moment I'll never forget. And it must've been the same for you. 
it was a blur and it sounds silly to say or or whatever but honestly it was a blur because I'm trying to I try and recount as much of that moment as I can and I kind of I can't even really recall my celebrations in too much detail I can remember kind of you know just hugging random people that I didn't know around me and and just whatever running around away but I can't even really quite confidently say what you know what my emotion was it well I know what my emotion was but kind of what I was doing in that moment in time because it felt like a but it felt like when the ball ended up in the, the net it took me longer than any goal in the history of sport in Coventry City has taken me to register uh, it just felt like I don't know I was on that side of the pitch I saw Vic go kind of get into space for the one of the first real times in the game and I thought okay right here's a moment here's an opportunity we know you know they had two people in front of him but thought yeah but Vic he can still make something happen here um but I thought okay it's you know maybe it'll happen in 10-15 seconds or something and then it's ball into the middle and I thought okay why does that happen and then Hamer just appears from nowhere and the ball's in the back and then I had to stop for a period of time and kind of that we scored and it, yeah it's a yeah. moment even though unfortunately the 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 end we'd hope it, it's an it's a moment I think every Cobb never. fan who not only just who were there but people watching at home and everything then they're, they're never going to forget that it, no it, it felt like it was probably the most emotional well I felt like I was sort of welled up in in that moment it was like yeah you know because we'd been so bad in the first half and I, I was so sort of deflated and uh you know, and the people I was with, I, I was like, oh, I just can't believe, you know, we're we're gonna sort of throw the opportunity away in in this manner, yeah. you know, and whimper uh, through and, it, a whimper through it, yeah. And, and a mate of mine, he said to me, he said, honestly, in a bit like what you said, Dave, attacking our fans, he said, honestly, we can't be like that again. We will win this two one. He said, you know, and then we equalised, and I remember he, he put his arm round me, sort of thing, and I was like, oh my word, we're we're, we're going to do this, you know, yeah. I, I sort of got goosebumps. I thought if we God. score a winner, I'm probably going to burst into tears. Like it yeah. felt like I was trying to hold it in. And, and then we got that goal and then it was all us, that long ball that we were soaking up, but like, which would happen at the CBS that was happening. Fads was winning it and we were coming forward. And it, I thought 20, 25 minutes to go. There's only one team who's going to win this and, and it's going to happen. And then the hammer blow was Hamer getting injured. And happened to go off, and Dave, that felt like it really just stopped all the momentum we had in our tracks. It it did. I I I think at the time I still felt that we were were good enough. I, yes. I knew it was going to be difficult, but I felt that actually Jokeres and Godden were linking up really really well and finding space in in where they'd not found space all game. You know that Vic was starting to now suddenly get space and get get time on the ball. Whereas he hadn't had a chance, you know, for, for the first. So I just, yeah, of course it was a massive blow and you, but I think the emotion of the fact that you've, you know, you've scored and you're on, you, you kind of, you, you're sort of numb to it a bit. You're of like, you, are, yeah. you know, oh, we'll get through that. It's all right. You know, it's, it's, it was never going to be easy. It's Coventry. Like, you know, Hamer's been injured, but look, you know, look, look at, look at Kelly. Like he's having a great game, like, or, you know, or, or, or well, Palmer or, coming on, you know, yeah, we, had, exactly, we, had a, we exactly. had a spark coming on, didn't we? Yeah. And and you just think, oh, and, you know, and Palmer, it, it's another thing that's written, right? You know, he's, he's been injured and he, he shouldn't even have made the bench. And now, now he's, now he's here. He's, he's lined up in a 
playoff final you know it's like M- M- Maguire is that good for the guy who's been injured for literally months which was shoehorned onto the bench to, to to replace it but yeah it did I do I do agree it did feel like we could still do it because we were level and you think it only takes one goal I know God yeah. had had a volley which wasn't far Plus they away. weren't threatening really at, no they at weren't times, were they so you sort of like yeah okay we missed the midfield but I can't see us conceding you know yeah yeah That's and that was like maybe the, the Hamer situation because going back to kind of what you were saying, Ross, you know, when we got the equaliser, you just, I remember, you know, after a couple of minutes, not straight away, but looking at their plays and feeling, they look not only leggy, they look tired in that period, but also I could just, I could just understand or kind of imagine in their minds, they're thinking, what the hell, you know, we've played 65 minutes of this game. We've had all these, you know, we've had goals disallowed by the finest. Of yeah, we've got to go we again now. First half, and now we've got to go again. And we just, we just, probably start to get to the point where they let it, you know, it's unavoidable. It starts to creep into their minds. Yeah, it's not going to be our day. This is, well, before that point, they're thinking that it starts to creep into their mind to think, this is our day. And then that happens. And then it goes completely the other way. And you think we've thrown everything at this. We dominated the first half. We potentially were, were fine margins away from having a three goal lead. And now this has happened and it's gone. And at that point, it was the most confident I felt. Obviously we've scored. So it's going to be to an extent, but I just thought, how do we not go on and win this game? And yeah. I, it was mixed emotions when the Hamer situation happened because, you know, you're gutted because he is so influential to us, but then the other sides, uh, you know, Palmer, we know he's not fully fit, but give him 20 minutes, you know he could do something. Godden and Jokers, as we're talking about, there's still plenty of players on there. And you think, you know, they're leggy. Maybe we've still got the opportunity. But do we think maybe Luton got a little bit of a kick again by seeing such an important factor for his inhamer go off? Well, I mean, the thing is, it felt like we've been on the we've been on Luton's side where you're winning a game. The equalising, you, you're thinking, how are we going to wrestle back control? I, I think Luton fans would have been thinking... Coventry have got control of this game now. How do we get it back? And they, I don't think they were ever going to wrestle it back off us, but they, and they didn't get it back fully, but because of the injury and because of how that changed the complexion of the game in terms of when Robbins was maybe planning to bring Palmer on, Palmer in addition to Hamer and the way that Hamer's just been playing, he's been the best player in the league these last six, seven weeks. And I thought he was going to single-handedly win us the game I thought he was probably going to score again and just drag us there and do something so I I think yeah when the dust settled after the sub because and when the the dust of the us the euphoria of us scoring the game then petered out well not petered out but sort of you know fell to obviously the full-time whistle came extra time came not too much between between the sides that (laughs) until the 128th minute no um, 118th minute and uh, Panzo would come on, Doyle with cramp or something had to go off. And I mean, talk about hands on your head moments. I, uh, Dave, talked to me that that sort of for five seconds of what it felt like. I mean, yeah, just talk to me about that moment where Panzo lost it and they were raced through and scored. And yeah, just like what on earth? All all of this for that <laughs> is how it felt. Just. All of this emotion and all of this traveling up and down the country and the players, all of what they've been through and and the incredible performances that they've given to just kick the ball in our own net pretty much was like, fuck, how? You know? Awful. And I, I, I literally, 
that that period of time, I don't know how long it was in, in real time in terms of from the moment they celebrate, I couldn't watch on my seat, head of my hand, to then VAR. Who would have thought, you know, and this was another moment. This was a moment I thought the start, it's in, it in, the in the stars. Well, no, I, I don't. Up. All I remember was I had my head in my hand and I was literally like, I got mortified. And then suddenly I then eventually looked up and then it was like, you know, handball. And I thought at that moment, we're going to win this. There's, I knew that we, we spoke about it. VAR is, you know, first time in our season. It's going to have a say on the, on the game. And I thought we're going to win this now because of, because of that, that, you know, that decision, which was the correct decision went to Panzo would have been probably the most relieved man in, in, in the ground. Um, because he did look like he wanted the ground just to swallow him up. But then the full-time whistle came penalties. I mean, Matt talked to me, um, Obviously, we actually before we get on to the actual penalties, one thing I do think was a bit is a bit dodgy is having these two separate coin tosses for one for the end and then a separate one for who goes first. Oh, surely you'd have one, and then if you win, you get to choose either you go first or the end. And we seem to lose. We lost both tosses, so then it was up the Luton end, and we were going second. And it felt like at that moment maybe it isn't quite written in the stars as I thought. What what, what your yeah. take on it? Yeah, I kind of, I think in that moment when I first realised that, I mean, I, I think I was looking away at this point and I heard a cheer and it sounded to me as though I was waiting for some level of cheer, which sounded like it was indicating which way the penalties were going to go. And I think I kind of, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I thought it sounded like a cheer which would suggest we'd got at our end. So I was, you know, quite excited about that fact and then realised it had gone the other way. And then my mind just started trickling back to thinking, when was the last time I can really remember a penalty shootout where it wasn't the fans behind the goal who were celebrating at the end? It just always seems to feel as though, you know, the team Spot with on. the fans behind the goal who were who were the ones celebrating. And I, I kind of, ironically, the last one I could really think of was the Euros final in 2021 with of course, at the yeah. same end with, with England. But past that, I really struggled to think of a situation where it didn't go for the, for the fans who were behind the goal. And I completely agree with you. You know, the fact of, having two coin flicks and, and potentially leaving it, uh, you know, there are two clear advantages, having your fans behind the goal and going first. 100% their advantages. I'm sure the stats bear it out. I haven't checked it, yeah. to be honest, but I'm sure the, the stats bear it out as well. And I, you, you, you go, okay, right, it's fine. If you want to have your end, that's fine. We'll go first. Yes. Vice versa. Yeah. How you do two coin flicks, I don't know. It's well, like, you say penalties should be about, penalties is about, you know, pretty much the, st- yeah, the, yeah, the stakes are even sort of thing. You feel like it yeah. should be fair. So it's like, okay, well, if you've won the toss, then you can choose which thing you value more, going yeah. first or the end. And and then the other team gets the opposite. It, yeah, because it felt like then we had the odds stacked against us in a penalty shootout when you sort of think, yeah. well, we, we've all we've been level for 120 minutes. Should that, should that be the case? I mean, I could barely watch. I mean, you know, but the first, the first, you know, 10 penalties were from both sides, both sides, absolutely exquisite, weren't they? I mean, the keepers didn't look like getting, I mean, Horvath basically dived the wrong way for most of them, most of ours. Ben Wilson did dive the right way a couple of times, didn't ever look like getting near them and then dive the wrong way as well. So, I mean, it was an incredible set of of, of the first sort of regulation penalties, wasn't it? Yeah, I kind of, I forced myself to watch it back. Um Yes, me too. I, I, really, I, I really, I really didn't want to, but I kind of forced myself to do it. So I thought, you know, the 10 penalties, were they 
as good as it seemed on the day and you just watch it back and you're like no they were even better to be honest with you watching it back um the the standard of penalties was really good they were from the angle i was at in the stadium there was one with um where i thought wilson was was fingertips away from saving it i think it was either the fourth or fifth um, and it just looked like it had grazed but actually i watched it back and again it no it wasn't particularly close to be perfectly honest, I think going into penalties, I was naturally pessimistic. And obviously then you have the situation where we lose the two coin flicks and both those things go against us. More than anything for me, I just thought, well, look who we would have in our squad who would take penalties. And I'm kind of going, yeah, Jokeres, obviously, Godden, yeah, Chief, fairly confident. And I'm going, who have we now got who can't take penalties? Hamer, big loss. Um, you know, Palmer. Palmer, if he was still on the pitch, big loss. Um, Alan's probably going to take a Doyle. penalty because... Uh, and Doyle as well, you know, the technical ability he has. So I'm like, there's four players. I'm kind of thinking, have we got nine, ten players who you'd feel that confident about taking a penalty, being completely honest? The answer is no. No. And it was, I don't know about you, Dave, it felt like watching them when every time we scored, it was like, okay, right, you know, we're level again. Because then we never had the opportunity. The pressure was always on us because they were scoring. The, the key one was there um, after. Eccles scored our four to make it four all. And I was really pleased that he, he dispatched his. It, that felt like a big moment. It felt like, here we go. If, if Wilson can save their last pen, then we've got the chance to win it. And obviously when they scored, Kelly then scored for us, which was great. It, I don't know. How did you feel as it progressed through the penalty shootout in terms of your your conf, your confidence in in it potentially going our way? Yeah, I think at the time, I just remember thinking that I I was just praying for them to make a mistake. I didn't think Ben Wilson was going to save one. I just, it sounds weird, like I thought they'd have to miss one. And I just kept thinking, it, you know, we just need them to miss miss one, but like not a save. And, 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 and therefore the pressure wouldn't have been on us as much. I didn't really think too much about who was up next, who's, who, who's, who's not taken one, who, you know, because you don't really ever think of a penalty shootout. I thought it felt like it was going to go on forever. To be honest, it, it just felt like it was going to continue going on. It, it, it didn't even feel like a drawn out process. It felt like we were getting through the penalties pretty quick. Like it didn't yeah. feel like it was a, a long process. And I just felt like, I remember thinking, oh God, I'm just, this is going to be like this for ages. I remember actually feeling fairly, not comfortable, but just like, oh, uh, we like a part of the occasion now. Like the players, are, like they're just going to dispatch theirs. Then we're going to rock yes, up. Yes, had they settled ours. into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yes. a little bit. And, and, Weirdly, because you can't ever settle no, into it. But, a, a but I agree. I know what you mean, but the, I don't know about what, what what you both thought, but they, when they scored their sixth in sudden death and then, and then I saw Dabo going up. I, I genuinely said out loud, like, oh no. And, and just like put my head, <laughs> look down. Cause I just, I don't know what it was. There's several things he's never scored for us. I yeah. just, and I just yeah. thought there was a load of things in my mind. And I literally said it out loud. And I just thought, oh no, like I, I have a, in the pit of my stomach, a really bad, bad feeling. Um, and obviously, it's weird because obviously I have watched it back as well, Matt, like you have, and you obviously can see his facial expressions, which at the time we couldn't, but even from that far away, watching him walk up, you could just tell he he, he didn't 
It was a lonely walk. Oh, walking up to, again, I think, you know, it's all what's, ifs and buts and maybes and stuff, but he's walking up their end. The pressure's on him already because they've scored because we're going second and he's got to go up to that wall of orange. You know, potentially he'd have felt a bit better if it was up our end, but he stepped up and he just gets it all wrong, doesn't he? And um, it was just that moment. That would live with me forever, that moment of just seeing it. As soon as it left his foot, you, it was wide before it was high. It, it was like I knew it missed and heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah, you just kind of followed the ball past the goal, past the net, and then it kind of takes you and leads you straight into this sea of, you know, mad celebration from the Luton fans, which is a kind of a cruel twist of irony as well. It kind of, you're following the ball and then right there, you, your eyes are fixed on you know, them going crazy and you're just thinking just a couple of kicks and, and that could be us right now. And you're thinking what, what could have been, you know, uh, it goes, it doesn't need to be said, but you know, every Cov fan of a realistic persuasion, their opinion of Dabo isn't going to change off the back of what no. happened with that what, one kick, what he's done for the club and what, you know, not just on the pitch at times, he was the player of season at certain points and, and fantastic for us, but just a great character that, the, as well, the character and, and the way engaged and, and everything with this club, you know, he will go down as a, as a true sky blue forever. And, you know, and this is all stuff that that doesn't even really need saying, but you did, you know, when you started to move on from that initial kind of body blow that you had as well, it just felt so bad for, for him oh. as well. And, and, and the players as well, just kind of wandering around. And, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, just the emotion of that moment. I, and I feel at that moment, you're just, it, it's more a thing of, you know, you kind of not, really taking in fully you know obviously what it is and the money and the premier league and everything in but it's more about just that feeling of it was you're in the moment and it's right there as an opportunity is it and it's gone and it felt terrible at that moment and then it didn't even feel any better as you're getting further no. away from it because you then stop to think about it in detail around what it is. And yes. you go, then you see them having their parade and that's what we could have had. You start thinking yeah. about the level of players that you could have in your, in your side. And even just the rumors of players that you're going to yeah. get, you know, attached to you and the infrastructure changes and everything. And the it's fixture lists, like, everything, you know, FIFA being, you know, being in the prem, afterwards. everything. It was yeah. soul destroying, soul crushing. And it just, you just felt crestfallen. And Dave, it was like, because like you there was moments in, in the game where you felt like it was written in the stars and um, it sort of felt initially I remember that feeling of like feeling like pins and needles almost like that. this can't be real is that is that re- is that really it like have we actually have we lost like no that wasn't supposed to happen it, it was uh, yeah, yeah brutal right yeah absolutely that just feeling of it just wasn't meant to be like this and yeah. I don't know why you know it sounds stupid to say I don't know why we didn't think like that in you know in the 10 days in the lead up and, and all of that because you know Luton are, are, are a team that have been knocking on the door for a couple of years now and and you know have shown this season that they know how to get over the line you know and and a really, really tough opposition. And I think, um, you know, just because you get carried away and you, you dare dare to dream, you, you don't really think about that. And we already said that you don't think about what you've got to do to actually get past a team like Luton, but just desperate, desperate for, for Dabo. Yeah. Um, 
but the f- things that have since then have, have lived with me is 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 not so much the fact that we didn't go up and not so much the fact we didn't get promotion is you look back at when that goal went and you look at the celebration and you look at Vic and in that moment he was going to be a Coventry City player for a long long time and then you look at it in the cold light of day now and he's not going to be and I'm not saying one man makes a team but now you just think about the rebuild process that yeah, needs but- to go on and you just it, it it just worries you of what you can bring in to replace both that passion and that quality and you it's that feeling of starting all over again and that's where we are right it's such a fine line and penalties as well and the fact that it you know no one missed you know in, in the first sort of regulation penalties it's such a fine line like you say that picture of him at the end in tears sort of crying and you compare that like you say to that sort of pumped sort of emotion he, he showed it's uh it's chalk and cheese and it is it is crazy and obviously you know Dabo's had an incredible amount of support from uh, the Sky Blue Army, but it is worth pointing out that you know we all condemn the sort of sort of racist abuse that uh, Fankati Dabo sort of endured. Um, no one should be, have to endure that. He, you know, and then the club have come out, and I know we support that sort of abhorrent sort of um, abuse that he's been you know victim to. Obviously, he had the pleasure with uh, Wardy to interview him at the Sky Blue Tavern, and you know he 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 loves the club and. Um, and obviously we're going to get onto the retainer shortly, but you know, he will be as, as Matt said, you know, a true sky blue. You're listening to sky blues extra. So obviously that crushing Wembley defeat saw the end to our 22, 23 championship campaign, but looking back as a whole, just a few key stats from the season. We had the golden glove winner, Ben Wilson, 20 clean sheets, um, setting a brand new record for Coventry City Football Club of most clean sheets in a season as well. Fantastic season from him. And and Dave, you, you just touched on Victor Jokerez. Well, he was our top goal scorer, 21 goals, 22 if you include the one against Wrexham. He was also our assist king, 12 assists for Victor Jokerez. I mean, Hamer with 10. There's been some incredible performances and how do you look back you know we, we've looked back at the, the season as a whole but a few days on now how do you assess you know the individuals and us as a team performance yeah it's it's very difficult and I'm I'm trying to be as upbeat as possible because you know talking about that for the last 10 minutes has just brought it all back and it's made it you know twice as hard um there's a big rebuild that needs to go on. And I think that's what it, it's very hard to rip, rip off this bandage of Jokerez and potentially Hamer and, 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 and think that we've got to go beyond those players because Hamer did exactly what we were begging him to do from his previous seasons, which was more goals to his game. And, um, you know, and, and, and re- re- sort of sorting out that disciplinary, which was, has been brilliant. He's been committed in tackles, but, but really, really sensible, like so professional. Like in the in the second part of the season, he has been so so professional. Jokerez, look, he could have probably had thirty, to be honest. Like he made himself so many chances, but there's so many goals in there that he scored that no one else would have got anywhere near. You know, you think of the Wigan at home. You think of 
you know, te- when he's danced around players and got a shot off, it, it, you know, they've been absolutely incredible. Ben Wilson, you know, obviously we sponsor him uh, at Sky Blues Extra, a fantastic season. Um, and actually pressure, mass, massive pressure on him because if he'd have come in and not performed, then, then, uh, Simon Moore would have probably gone back in if that makes sense and then you would have had this this sort of no consistency with goalkeepers and actually Wilson took that um, chance and, and and made it his own to, to the point where you know he's undroppable he was he was literally the first man on the team sheet yeah he was and, and as you say there was yeah, so much to be sort of proud of um, of, of the team with everything we, we went through this season it's time to come on to our sort of end of season awards. Now our season has sort of come to the end. And obviously the members of the Sky Blues Extra team who aren't with us on the podcast today, they have sent in their um, answers to the different awards. So I'll start with you, Matt, with the your young player of the season. It has, has to be Callum Doyle, really. Um, we just, you know, realistically, we know we're not going to, get to see him in a in a commentary shirt unless something kind of substantial happens in the in the future but in the immediate future we're not going to see him in a in a commentary shirt but we just have to appreciate and and enjoy what we were able to experience with with him as a footballer over this last season and um he, he's got a massive future in the game so clear a clear decision on on that front from from my perspective yeah and you're uh, you're with the majority here dino has also said doyle wardy has said Doyle, a Rolls-Royce of a footballer destined for City and England's first team. Uh, Andy has said Doyle and uh, Ross Spence has said Doyle as well. Dave, would you be in agreement with that? Yeah, absolutely. I I try not to um, with lone players because they're going. So for, for me, I think um, an amazing season for Josh Eccles, um, especially in, in what he's had to you know, uh, the pressure environment of actually ha- having to come back in the squad. I think some of the performance he put in was was absolutely incredible and it's only going to stand him in good stead for, for seasons to come. I, I agree. I think I'd give it, I agree. I th- I'd give it to Doyle, but I do everything you said about Eccles. I think he he's sort of been a bit of an unsung hero uh, this season for us. Uh, the next award, goal of the season. Um, so Davey, I'll start with you. What would be your your pick pick of the bunch? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Jokeres uh, at home to to Wigan was, um, you know, was was great. Um, Hamer has, has scored some some quality goals. I think, I think maybe this the Hamer Stoke for me was was very impressive, um, and I'd probably go with that. Um, but I actually really enjoyed Millwall away. <laughs> The the Matty Godden from a team point of view, um, yeah. that was a great goal. And the Sheaf Blackpool um also was a lovely, was a a really lovely finish, good team wasn't it? Yeah. Goal. Yeah. Um, but let's go with um I think let's go with Jokerez yes. Wigan for just Wigan. yeah. Yeah, that's what Ross Spence has gone for. He said he was torn. He thinks Hamer was unlucky as he had some unreal goals. Um but yeah, sheer class and brilliance from Victor Jokeres. And, and that Wigan goal almost sums him up. And that's what Ross Spence has gone for. Um, Andy's gone for Hamer versus Stoke away. As you touched on, Dave, a lovely finish from him. Uh, Wardy's gone for Hamer versus Huddersfield at home, which was actually quite a similar goal to that Stoke one. And that, that was an exquisite strike as well. Hamer's goal scoring this season has been fantastic. Um, 
Dino has yes, Dino's gone for the goal that I'd pick. Um Jokeres at home to Millwall in that one nil win where he he controlled it and had absolutely no right to to you know to do anything with it. And any other striker would end up like either losing it or just playing it safe back. And he shrugs off, I think it was Cresswell who we've been linked with, turns him left, turns him right. And then thunders a shot in from like 25 yards into the bottom corner. Had absolutely no right to do that. So I, I agree with Dino. Um, uh, Matt, what was your goal of the season? A lot of goals we've we've kind of gone through. It's crazy as well. No, we've not mentioned yet the uh, Hamer goal against Luton, um, which kind of was the yeah. point where we started to, it's a very good to, goal. to put some level of form together. And I remember having a WhatsApp chat on, on that day and I was kind of still in my frustrated period with... Aaron, I was getting frustrated with him shooting, and then he just pings one in from 35 yards, literally about 30 seconds later. Um, so I'll give a little nod to that, but I would have to go with Gokre's goal against Wigan yeah. because um, if you freeze frame when that ball is kind of what 15 foot in the air and he's got he's in his own half and he's got three defenders on his back, and he's and you would say to somebody, right, in seven seconds and probably five touches, he's going to be cleaning on goal and and slide it away. You just, how would that even humanly possible? You just, just as Ross uh, Spence mentioned, it, it just encapsulates him as a footballer. The fact that he turned that position, it was such efficiency. If you watch it back, it is literally it's four or five touches he's through, and it and it balls in the back of the net. It's it's unthinkable when if you were to stop it at that moment. So for me, that's always been the one that's that's yeah. kind of stood out this season. No, certainly. Um, game of the season. Um, going through the other Skybridge Extra lads' uh, votes, Ross Spence has gone for Middlesbrough away. Best game I've ever been to apart, um, supporting this club. Uh, Andy has gone for Borough away, the second leg, uh, as has Wardy, um, but he's given an honourable mention to Blackpool away. And Dino has gone for Blackpool, uh, but he always says also an odd one, but the 1-0 loss at Burnley um, performed so well that day. Some of the best I've seen us play this year. Didn't deserve to lose that, and I do agree with that. Um, Matt, what, what would be your game of the season? I'd... I'd have to agree on it being Borough away in the second leg, um, but uh, I think it's such an obvious one, so I'm not going to massively. The one I would also pick out as an honourable mention is is that Huddersfield game because I think it's the first game this season um, where we just had shown that unbelievable efficiency and confidence, and just like we were swatting away teams like we should. So that was a real game that has always stood out for me this season. But I, I you know, ultimately, I'd have to go for for Borough away. Uh, Dave? Yeah, Borough away. Best game I've been to in my life. Amazing. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I, I, a game I touched on earlier, just because it was in the standard league season, I, I thought Birmingham, just for the whole atmosphere, you know, not necessarily that it was the greatest game, but I just thought it was uh, it was a special to see the, the CBS like that. But Middlesbrough away, of course, was... Um, was something else and to finish off our awards with of course player of the season um yeah what, what would you go with dave what where who'd get your vote gus hamer would you agree matt yeah it has to be hamer it, it, it just has to be it's interesting because wardy's gone for hamer dino has gone for hamer um andy's gone for hamer uh ross spence has said he wanted to go for Yokeros, but he's gone for Hamer. I'd also agree, Hamer. And the official fans play of the season for the second year running was also Hamer. I mean, he has just been, a word on him, um, Dave, he has been 
exquisite, uh, particularly at the business end of the season. If his time is up as a Coventry City player, if he does move on, I'm not sure we'll see a rounded midfielder like him for some time. Um, he he literally picked up games by the scruff of their neck and dragged us through them and dragged us into a result. And he is a very special player. I think we knew that when we first signed him and we saw glimpses of it um, in, in the first seasons. But, you know, like he, he's changed his complete game in terms of he still offers you those switch balls, but he now starts to drive at defenders. He didn't really do that when he first started playing for us. He sorted out his disciplinary record. He's so professional. Um, and, and he just plays with a smile, doesn't he? You he, he can't not enjoy watching him play because he just looks like he's playing in, 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 the, in the park or on the playground. And it's just um, incredible, incredible technician and uh, one that I hope we'll be able to see again. Um, in Coventry but if not I'm sure I'll continue to follow his career because he's a special special player Now quickly just looking ahead to next season of course the disappointment um, still feels pretty raw but good thing with football is there's always another season and the uh, the sort of work has already begun Matt uh, the retainers came out and uh, not many surprises on there for you? No, no surprises in all honesty. I look at kind of possible disappointments, not so much in what's happened over the last you know year or so, but I'm just disappointed that hasn't panned out a bit better with Michael Rose um, because I do think there was an element more of potential there in, you know, maybe up until a point last season, I guess, more, more than at any point this season. But prior seasons before that, he's still a relatively young player to what he could develop into being. So disappointment with that, obviously, you know, and, and obviously disappointment maybe with Walker as well, because he had scored a lot of goals, albeit a lower level, um, but he had got goals at, at this level as well. So there was possibly an opportunity for us to um, have seen more from him. But I think realistically... There's nobody on there that you can you can say it, the writing wasn't really on the wall. No, we need to, we need to improve, don't we? I guess the probably the one the most heartfelt one, Dave, would be of course Dabo. You know, particularly after obviously what happened at Wembley. You know, his last kick will always be that. You know, for us would be that that penalty. Um, but he's had his problems similar to Rose with injuries, hasn't he? Really, since we got promoted, um, he was exquisite in that for, in League One season. But in the Championship, he's had injuries. He's I've always found like he sort of struggled. Or it's sort of go beyond above eighty percent because yeah. if he has, he looks. I don't like think he's, he's ever been injured. at full tilt. Has no. he? He hasn't been at full tilt for for quite some seasons, and it's it's sad to to see that really because you know what he can has been and what he can be, and I think the other thing is is you still want to see that from him. So he gets the ball, and you think, go on, just do what you used to do, yeah. and and he doesn't because he, he he. I think he's just unconfident around getting around the other side of the defender and being able to. Mm-hmm to keep pace and, and and make it round them. And it, it it's just an absolute travesty that his last kick in a sky blue shirt is, is that penalty. But Matt put it really, really, you know, well earlier on and it won't be what Dabo's be, no. will be remembered for. And, um, you know, that, that win, you know, you'd lose together and win together. And that, that's in penalties even more so, right? Because if it wasn't him, it would have been the next person that, that took one and, you know, and and then the person after that, like it's just the way that it, they, they they fall. 
Exactly, exactly. And obviously big, you know, people with big wages like Mike Waghorn, Todd Kane, they've been released, Tyler Walker as well, the Costas, three-year adventure. Dino Be Pleased has finally come to an official end as well. Um, so yeah, lots of, you know, wages freed up. It's going to be a very exciting summer. I think we, you know, obviously all the loan players have gone back, whether some of them come back on on, on permanence, who knows? I, I think there's a couple that we'd obviously be pretty keen to, to bring back but there's a big job to do um matt in terms of you know the summer ahead and we've already made a start our first signing jada silver four-year deal just give me your quick thoughts on that yeah delighted you know he's obviously a player that we've watched for a long time and it gives you so much confidence to see as gives give somebody a four-year deal you know we have to have so much besides you know what they might have done historically at other clubs or whatever which i'm not saying he's done badly at other clubs but away from that you have to have so much faith and confidence in what this football club has has done for for footballers in the last few years and for us to commit to four years on him is a real standout thing for me as well so um it's great for us to have even just that small crumb of something that that kind of slightly points us away from the disappointment we've had on Saturday and points us towards what can be and we're going to have to explore free transfers because we've got so many gaps to fill we might have more money to spend on players a little bit later down the line but we can't wait for that um if we can get free transfers in who improve the position for us overall as a squad even if you want to have a conversation of whether he'd be better than Bidwell or not he improves the position for us so for us to do that with a free transfer so early on it's a signal of intent and that's what we need isn't it Dave we need depth we need uh competition for places And, and 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 we've seen it Mark Robbins takes players and makes them better you know he knows Viviash from the Chelsea days another Chelsea connection so that box was ticked obviously that's a that, that's a must for us to sign anyone I think um but it's it's exciting and it's the first of you know I'd imagine there'll be another another 10 to come in when you think well it's got to be something around that number I think we do need some solid championship experience because I think at times that's what we lacked and it it actually shows I think with Kelly coming back in and doing such a job that we just needed a bit of an older head in there at times. And I'm not saying that Kelly's a massively experienced championship player, but just having that older head alongside would would help, I think. So, you know, because we're clearly going to bring in some more loans, probably going to be four or, four or five. Four, Do you think four, that many? I, I, would, I would imagine so, that we'll still be very much alone. I, I think because we can't we can't really fail with that system in the way that, Teams now know that Mark Robbins will bring players on. You know, um, Brooke, Norton, Cuffey um, will go back a completely different player to what he started, and so will Callum Doyle. Um, And they would have come on massively, maybe not so much as Brand, but, you know, still would have learned a great deal. Um, Panzo as well and McNally. Yeah, Panzo, exactly. McNally, yeah. But I think that, especially those young, especially your Doyle and your your Norton Cuffey, other managers will look at that and go, Mark Robbins and Coventry City are a team that we can, you know, trust with these young players to actually, because they play the right football. That's That's what it is. It's not, you wouldn't get these players very much like, well, you know, Norton Cuffey is pulled from, from Rotherham, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Because because they would not play a, a style of football that would help um, grow his 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 um, his own sort of skill set. Um, so I think absolutely. I just I think you know it's a big big summer for 
um, Doug King, you know, he talks about the three out of five playoffs that we need to to get into. If we get three out of five, then we should get a chance of Mark Robbins winning at least one. It's a big lot of pressure, I think, to to be putting on on our situation. Like, a different type of pressure that he's never had before. Definitely, Robbins, absolutely. You know? um, but with that pressure needs to come support. And, of course, yeah. Um, you know, we need to be able to, I'm not saying we want to go and spend stupid amount of money, but I think we do need to be, we need to make some signings where we make them and we don't miss out on a player because of a couple of hundred thousand here or there and they go off to Bristol yes. City or Swansea. I think if we were to see that this summer, I think the Sky Blue Army would be concerned. Yeah, well, I, I think De Silva, I think coming in early shows that work's, work's been done, we've known for a while, whether, whether Vic and or Hamer will both go, you know, ducking, you know, you can't say three out of five, you know, sort of playoff sort of, you know, successes in terms of getting into the playoffs with, you know, and hope and expecting that to happen on, on, on the budgets that we've had under CSU. You know, he, he said, judge me on this window. He's investing in the training ground. You know, we've got, we've got a judgment and, and I'm optimistic just quickly on Liam Kelly. Obviously he's been offered a one-year deal, Dave. I know Dino is, getting ready to bring out his Liam Kelly pajamas once again for another season. Do you, do you think he will sign? And do, uh, because I have so a sure. weird feeling he won't. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure he will. Um, I think the last, whatever, six, seven games or whatever it is, has instilled enough in him that he can still play at a good level. And, and if he still wants to play, then unfortunately Coventry City isn't the place for him to to do that. Um, if we were talking about someone moulding themselves into a coach and therefore he could start taking many more sessions, working alongside Darren, Dennis Lawrence and, and AD and, and Mark Robbins and doing his badges if he hasn't already, which I'm not, you know, I'm not sure on the status of that, but you could imagine much more of a role with that because it's a natural progression, even if beyond then coaching, he goes elsewhere and looks, you know, but doing them through the club this way, I could see that. But if he takes from the last games that he's still got a lot to offer to a team and he wants to play competitive football, and let's be honest, most players want to play for as long as they possibly can. I agree. I'm not sure he will. Yeah. And uh, just finally then, Matt, what future's bright? Yeah, I, you know, we've, we've obviously shown what we can do this season on, um, it's still a ridiculously low budget compared to other teams in, in this division. So if we, you know, if, if we end up losing one of or both of Vic or August, you know, what I, I back that we can obviously use those extra resources and, and kind of find a different approach to have another positive season. So whether it ends up being promotion, whether it ends up being a playoff or, or whatever it might be, I still expect us to to move in the right you know direction by the end of this season and um and find our way into um yeah what will be another positive yeah. season. Amazing. Well, that is all we've got time for for our season review podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave for joining me for this mammoth podcast. I hope you all enjoy it when it comes out onto wherever you listen to your podcasts. A season that ended in uh, in disappointment for the Sky Blues, but from having being homeless, not having a pitch to play on, being bottom in October, to have, getting rid of Wasps, getting rid of Sisu, having a new owner and making it all the way to Wembley. Robbins is here for another four years. The future is bright. The future is Sky Blues. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.